somehow involved with bank law. You're listening to The Virus. The Ron and Fez Show starts... Now. All I need's 
Let's get down to it, Bopper. Hello, buddies. It's the Ron and Fez show when you heard Mike Zito at the start of the show. That can only mean one thing. Giving away signed Mike Zito CDs. Big callers, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Call in to win. Brand new album he's got out, Fez. It's called Greyhound. That was the uh, title song from it. and it's Title track? The title track. Mm, nice. And that uh, new CD is available in stores now and on Amazon.com. Go to MikeZito.com for all of Mike's tour dates. It's just available in stores? stores no kind of certain stores? Do we even have a major chain that we plug anymore, or are they gone? Uh, most of the major chains are gone. This uh, this will be avail- available in Best Buy. There you go. Best Buy. That's a big chain, Hicks. To get your best buys on. I don't get it. It's like when you go there, you it's the best place to buy stuff. Oh, that's why they call it that? Yeah. I Greyhound's a new album. I download, Fuzzy. How do you download? Uh, you download, go to iTunes or MikeZito.com. All right, I'm going to go both those. Uh, and we're going to keep that going. So whenever you hear a Mike Zito call, uh, song, Call in a Win. Uh, that, of course, uh, that we played today, available as a Vadio. And uh, let's put that up on 202 Friends. Will do. Uh, so you can check out the video. Uh, Carla, you're on the air. Hi, Ronnie. Yes, darling. I'm calling to win a CD. You just won. You Yay! just won. It's that simple. That's fantastic. Thank you. All right. Uh, I hope you enjoy it. And uh, congratulations to uh, Mike Zito for uh, getting the album out there, the new video. Actually, he's starting to leave Hicks in the dust right now. Uh, this weekend oh. is uh, the Sandra Bernhardt Unmasked. That's Raw Dog and the Virus. Now, it's Saturday night on Raw Dog. Well, we got some crazy writings on this. Uh, and it replays Sunday on Raw Dog also? Yep. So, Saturday night, 8 o'clock. Sunday, 3 p.m. Uh, and 9 p.m. That's Raw Dog Channel 99. And then we'll be playing it over here on The Virus. Uh, what time? That is 11 a.m. in the East on Sunday and 8 p.m. in the East. Let's call it The Beast. Let's call it the beast from now on. Uh, Larry, you're on running Fez. How's it going, man? Yeah. What can we do for you? you I was calling back that CD. Uh, you got to call back. We already got a winner now. Next time you hear a Mike Zito song. Oh, they're packing out the phone lines. I'm looking up here. I'm like, oh, people are ready to talk about news, even though I don't use that Japanese word anymore. Boo. Now I got to clear them because everybody wants Mike Zito. This is why I tell you to pay attention 100% of the time here. Not 5% of the time or 7% of the time. Uh Uh-uh. Too low. Uh, That's way too low. That's in the wrong percentile. Now, by the way, uh, One had some uh, big guests on this morning with a uh, big movie coming out. And that's the Ryan Reynolds and the what? And Jason Bateman in the change-up. Now, I saw the premise for the movie and I thought, well, both these guys are funny guys. 
Jason in particular. I'm not fucking running down Ryan Reynolds. You're the new kid on the block. I wish you all the luck in the world. But Jason Bateman, I think, is just one of those guys who's been very funny for a long time. But the premise of the movie, the Freaky Friday, the 16 again, you know, something magic happens. It turned me off. So I'm like, well, I'm going to wait to cable. But then Mark Zito told me he saw this in advance, and it's a real goer. He in the morning mashup, I think, saw it. We don't know where he is right now. He's bringing something out. He's running right uh, now. Oh, so bad. I'm one of the few times I want to throw him on the air with me, <laughs> and he's not around. But, you know, both these guys, I'm like, they're funny, but why go back to this whole premise? Very strange. I go, well, this sucks. And he goes, no, my friend. No. Usually the plan is an adult changes uh, places with a kid. Is that the way it usually happens? Yeah, like the parent becomes the child and the child becomes the parent. Would you go f <laughs> this far? Is it time that the hunter becomes the hunted? <laughs> the student becomes the teacher. What do you mean by that? I, they say it a lot mm. in movies. Mm. I thought you didn't go to movies anymore. Another clue. All right, Mark Zito, you did see the uh, the changeling, as it's now being called. <laughs> yes, Doors, I did. Uh, uh, this is where I would cue up Doors music. Um, but, uh, and I, I thought the premise sounded um, well-worn, stupid, you want you you saw it and loved it? Yeah, I really thought it was going to suck too, but it was I thought it was hysterical. Like I went in there being like this is I thought the same thing, this premise is old. It's whatever, but I thought they I thought they did a good job with like the uh uh comedy aspects of it and I thought it was funnier than a lot of other movies that people had said were really funny lately. Like uh, I thought it was better than Horrible Bosses. Thought it was better than that. Friends with Benefits. Here's my movie. here's my uh problem. And, uh, by the way, I didn't see either one of these I films know. that you're talking about cuz I I, I didn't think that they were funny. But even in the commercial, there was a woman shit joke. I've had it with women shit jokes. A woman with explosive diarrhea does not make me laugh, particularly if it's an attractive woman. Women shit too, though, not just men. I know, but I, it does. It's, it's something I want to happen privately. The weirder thing in that scene is uh, early in it, she's, and this is not a spoiler, but it she's... It seems like it's a spoiler. Okay, well, spoiler play it just in case. For anybody out there that wants to be... Uh, we pull things all the time. We don't have them anymore. But anyway, what was it? Basically, she's she's topless in that, but it's not even her topless, because I guess, you know, she's probably too famous. She's, well, she has a famous husband. It's like the weirdest prosthetic tits I've ever seen. It's it's It takes you out of you the movie. You say, wait, that you've ever seen. Well, when do you normally run into prosthetic tits? I, not that often. I don't know if I've it. ever seen any. It's bizarre looking. I don't know if they're CGI. I don't know what they are, but they look I felt like weird. that's a spoiler though, because I'm going to be looking for that. So, scale of 1 to 10, what are you giving this? 7.5. And, and what did you give, let's say, Bridesmaids? Bridesmaids was about a 7, 7.5. I thought this was just as funny as Bridesmaids. I really enjoyed that one. That's the only movie I'd compare what it to. What do you give The Godfather? The Godfather... I'm Seven and a half? <laughs> I'll give The Godfather an eight, so it's almost Godfather-esque. You know, here's what bothers me. I put it on a one to ten basis. He lets me know that you should want one to twenty. I'm using half points still. I was trying to get out of the half star area by going to full ten stars. Because, you know, let's face it, five stars is not enough for people. No. You know, if... If you uh, Even on any scale that you're using, if there's a restaurant or whatever, it takes you into... It, it forces you immediately into half and three-quarters stars. And then why do it? It no longer works. 
maybe we should just a hundred stars. Just a hundred stars. Because you didn't, in, in school, you weren't judged on five. That would take you quickly to a hundred. Can I have a half star? Um, so, there you have it. Now, seven out of ten, Fezzi, is a D, isn't it? Oh, I yeah. would say nine, ten is an A, eight, B, seven, C. So I'm not overly optimistic now. He went and told me it was a, a hysterically funny, and I'm like, whoa, maybe this will be some light, some reviewing for me. Now he took it back and handed it a, a D. Oh, no, well, I just meant, I, I was rating it on the scale of movies of all time. In terms of funny, I would give it an A. I thought it was a great film. If, if you're just looking So for you a put fun funny comedy. movies as a D, is as high as they can get. Well, no, I just meant, like, is the change of the best movie of all time? Definitely not, but it's well, hysterical. Well, in terms, uh, you'd give it an A. Yes. What do you give, uh, what do you give The Big Lebowski? Big Lebowski, for me, I gave that a B. Oh, so this film... What the fuck? Wait, this would be a great way to promote this. And this is going to stun people. The Changeling, funnier <laughs> than the Big Lebowski. According to Mark Zito. Um, yeah, of course. Um, Mike, you're on my face. Hey, guys. Hey, Zito, are you, are you out of your fucking mind giving it the same score, as, almost the same score as Godfather? Yeah, it's a fucking great movie. I loved it. I thought it was You're way fun. I thought it was way funnier than the God- It was way funnier than Godfather. Fuzzy, you trust him right now? Uh, no, I'm not trusting this at all. I have a problem with the movie. Did you see it? No, but just from the tagline in the commercial. All right, what's that? The tagline is "Switch happens." Playing off of shit happens. Uh huh. If you're going to play off of a phrase like that, it has to actually rhyme. Switch. What about alliteration? Alliteration can work, but this just is did. but this is a pun. This is a pun. It needs to rhyme with shit. All right, not switch. Let's focus on the movie itself. Whether or not we're not reviewing the tagline, and I'm going to give it to you. The tagline's awful. But would you see this movie based on uh, what Zito said to us? No, I wouldn't go see it. It doesn't sound like X. I ain't fucking watching this movie. Alright, I'm about to give both of you a mind fuck. Agreeing with Zito, Jermaine Lassier. Wow. Jermaine Lassier writes this. Yeah, Ron. At Mark Zito is right. The changeling is fucking solid. Really mean humor, but sweet and familiar. I loved it. He writes to us. Get him on the phone immediately. Get him on the phone. The changeling uh, blowing... And once again, G-Baby doesn't back up Fez. I noticed that right away. Never happens. Never goes down that way. Um, G-Baby, go ahead, pal. Yeah, guys. Marzito is right. Not about the Godfather thing, but yeah, the change-up is probably the second best comedy in the summer behind Bridesmaids. It's really funny. It uses the familiar tropes that you have of that, but it goes to like really dark and places that you'd never thought. And then it also has some like really sweet moments. I was really surprised by it. I really, I, really liked I'm it. looking around now, and the Village Voice says there's a tremendous amount of pissing that goes on. So it's not just shitting, it's pissing. Well, the pissing, pissing is... Yeah, go for it, Mark. It, the pissing is what actually, from what I can tell, helps them trade bodies, oddly enough. But then it stops, then the pissing stops from there? Then the pissing stops. Okay. Just, yeah. Now, 
G baby. See, I'm not into water sports. That maybe that's why me and G baby disagree. Be honest, big girl. You're not into any sports. It's just not limited to water. Uh, you're not into backyard sports. Um, but here's the thing, G baby. That's the only thing that you're going funnier than. Give me a funny movie that this is funnier than. Um, uh, I don't know. I mean, it, it, it's it's really. I mean, comedy hasn't been great in the last couple of years, Ron. You know what I mean? So, like, I, I sort of rank this is a summer movie. So that's why I sort of put it up against these other movies. I mean, uh, I don't know. I mean, uh, he I'm put he put it as as funnier than The Big Lebowski. Oh no! See, see Thank the reason, you. That, no, that movie is like subversive, funny, and clever, funny. This movie's sort of raunchy, funny. See, that's I mean? my fucking uh, problem. Is like they're going, hey, R-rated comedies are back, but they don't need to all be shit and piss, in my opinion, and saying guys' dicks. That's what was missing from Lebowski. Piss. They yeah, see a lot true. more piss. Well, he could have pissed. He could have pissed in the bathtub, or the fucking ferry could have pissed on him. Yeah. And, and this movie does have, I mean, uh, again, not not spoiling anything. It does it does have like a lot. Parents are probably gonna have a big problem with this movie just with the some things that happen. With well, it's kids. R-rated. The, the kids shouldn't go. Right? No, it's not. I mean, I mean, like parents probably be like taken back by the, the well, parenting in well, the movie. Maybe I'll just say. No, parents don't give a fuck. They know it's a movie. No one gets I, I, suddenly serious because they're a parent. I, I know a bunch of critics here who who really didn't like it. And name I, one. And I'm just like, oh man, guys, I just felt like they might have been taken back by that kind of thing. Well, Maybe. unless like they're blowing the kids or something, just no. know that it's a movie. Well, Ryan Reynolds had never been a parent before. He didn't know what to do. He was in a different body. Yeah. And, Stop both, with the spoilers. They're both really funny, and they're both really good in the movie, but they're actually better when they're playing each other. Like, they're both phenomenal. Like, Ryan Reynolds... You can we be honest that. here? Their personalities are so... Fucking similar. Ryan Reynolds is doing Jason, who's doing Tom Hanks, and you know that's that's fine, but it's not going to be this tremendous switch in personalities. Well, it is in the movie. I mean, because they sort of go the polar opposites. You know, Jason Bateman's the real tight ass, and Reynolds is like the way over the top stoner. So when you see Ryan Reynolds play the real big tight ass, and you see Jason Bateman play the huge over the top boisterous stoner. Uh, Hilarity really begins. Funny. It really works. Um, all right, hold on. Here's John wants to jump in. Um, no, we already did that. Fez already did that joke, so we're not going to do it. Uh, Brian. Hey, fellas. How you doing? Any business. Um, ah, you're right. Um, this movie does have a pretty good recipe. If you look at it, you have the writer from The Hangover. You got the director from Wedding Crashers. You got two stars right there that are, you know, really, you know, popping right now. So... I mean, for, you know, money... Really? Tell that to Green Lantern. True. Very true. And also, if you do go to Rotten Tomatoes, there, there is that caveat. They only rank it about 33%, so you might be 33 looking at... 33% from oh. Rotten Tomatoes? Suddenly, Fez is looking stronger and stronger. Even, in his opinion, he didn't see the movie. You can't really... I don't. Uh, from what I've heard, the movie's not going to do very well this weekend, which is unfortunate because I think it's really good. But you can't really. How can you know when something Friday. isn't going to do good? How could you Why tell this? Uh, you just it's like that's what the that's the tracking. Like you know, there's these things called tracking that all the studios do. Who's going to see this movie? And this movie isn't quote unquote tracking very well. Well, the problem that it's not tracking well is because we all felt like we saw the movie eighty fucking times. 
That's the the biggest problem. You've got funny people, but why go back to this worn-out fucking premise? It's because they go super R-rated with it. Like, the movie almost got an NC-17, they had to cut back to give it an R rating. If there would have been two more shits... Yeah, I mean, you see in the trailer that they go like shit on his face and stuff, but, the, but it's not really more. It's that's see that's but that's not really what the movie's all about. It uses that to sort of bring you in, and then the, it really balances the tone of that and sort of subtly starts to move towards a very very sweet and heartwarming ending. Uh, oh shit, I'm terrible. But it's you a know what I mean? ambush. You just fucked yeah. it up for us. <laughs> I don't want to even go ends, now. I, I, I wanted to. I wanted to be there at the end, wondering. What was going to happen? And now I know it's sweet and just beautiful. No, go. It's good. All right, G-Baby. All right. And last thing, speaking of really cool, uh, actually really good romantic movies, that movie Crazy Stupid Love That's Out, I really thought that was really good, and I didn't know Fez knew that Jonah Bobo was the star of it. I, I finished that movie, and I was like, holy shit, it's fucking Fez's friend Jonah Bobo. Yeah, it's his, uh, well, it's his kind of comeback, his 14-year-old comeback. This is him moving into teen years, and... Uh, the mo- the movie I guess is just doing okay, but pretty good reviews on it. Yeah, How- or how's it tracking? What's the tracking number look like right now? Where is it? Somewhere in between Albuquerque and here? Check out the tracking number. <laughs> yeah, something like that. It's not as funny I think as the changeup, but uh, it's a very surprising little romantic comedy. Does anybody? That, uh, does Jonah Bobo shit and piss all over the place? Hey kids, shit and piss should be in the movie. <laughs> Fuck. No, no, he does jerk off a lot in it, though. Oh, oh Fez. No, I don't want to. Oh, I didn't ask him to do that. Where did he learn that from? Oh, disgusting. You and his dad better stop your freaky Fridaying. All right, G baby. All right, buddies. Have a good one. We'll see you at the movies. <laughs> Sounds good. All right, bye. G baby, you sitting around waiting for somebody to remake Star Wars. Where's that song from, Fuzz? I don't know where that, what that's from. Of course you don't. I, it was stuck in my head all day, and right before the show started, I had to fucking call Earl and go, this fucking lick is driving me crazy. Answered it in one second. That's why he will always be my very best friend. And he will always be my vibe manager, my my personal vibe manager, who manages my vibe. Um, Tony, you're on my face. Hey, am I the only one that thinks The Hangover is overrated? And no, everybody fucking smart. says the same thing. Backlash is here. We live in the age of backlash. Hangover 2 is kind of like the first one, except they're in Bangkok. Fuck this shit! Fuck all them! This is the backlash! <laughs> I want to be the first on the backlash, not the last. Yeah. So don't come around to me saying Obama's a fucking disappointment. That backlash is already... I'm ready to backlash against the backlash. Good. Turn it all around on him. I want to be the very first on the backlash. Like, that's what we get. It has to happen first. I don't want to be a late backlasher. Hey, Mary. Hi. Hey. How are you? I know it's none, none of my business, but how are you? None of fucking business at all, Mary. Um, so, you mentioned The Godfather and The Big Lebowski. We two did. of quite possibly the greatest movies of all time. Mm. And he gives mm. them an 8 and a 7 out of 10, respectively. 
um, for this bastardized, heartwarming pile of garbage, Freaky Friday, whatever. Right. I want to know what he considers a 10 out of 10. Zeeds, what is the perfect movie for you? 27 Dresses, starring Katherine Heigl. Be honest, <laughs> instead of being a fucking ball buster. No. What is, in your opinion, the best fucking film of all time? Not another Mikey background fucking classic. Uh, I really liked... People people break my balls on this. I really liked Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. I really enjoyed that movie. It's a fine movie. And I like it as well. But to call that the greatest fucking film that ever happened is crazy. A... What a stunner. It just came out a couple of years ago, and it's on cable. You know, it just seems like laziness to me. Oh, then Goodfellas. That or Goodfellas. Okay, I really enjoy Goodfellas. Fellas. All right. You're just now, you're grabbing a fucking straw. I'm trying You've to been please through three you. and fucking three minutes. Mary, I apologize to you. I apologize from the bottom of my heart. All right, this is the Ron and Fez Show, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Um... Just John, he's not been around. He's not going to make it uh, this week because his grandmother, he had to go say, turned 100. Oh. Smucker's grandmother. Yeah. So we got to find out if she's going to do the Today Show. We always wanted to have a grandma on the Today Show. We wanted to be Fez's grandma. Fez pulled one of his things where he let us down. But he's not going to let us down on Friday. Soft opening. Fez in a cupcake suit. Did you get it yet? I have ordered the cupcake suit. It is on its way. From where? Um, Costumes Incorporated or something like that. Where's the Where's the town that makes the cupcake suit? Where? I just want to know what people every day are working on cupcake suits. Because it's got to be a slow business. Uh, is that Laura and Bobby? No. When they come, I want them to come in as a couple. Okay. Do 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 do. So that's Friday, Fez, in the Village, Sixth Avenue and Bleecker Street. The soft opening for Molly's Cupcakes. I'm going to be there starting at 2 p.m. The soft opening going on till eight that night on Friday. Now to explain the soft opening, go ahead, just do it and get it over with. To explain the soft opening for you, it's a new staff, and the new staff, of course, hasn't worked in a cupcake place before, so you're just going to let some people in. So we can actually play store. You know, like you come in like when you're a kid, like, yes, may I help you? So Fez is there too. Uh, and you get to see Fez, get your picture taken with him, and a cupcake. Are you having balloons for everybody? Uh, yeah, we can get some balloons out there. Yes, let's do I that. You know that. He's going to have balloons for everybody. Um, and that'll be it. Here is um, here's Mike in Maine. You're on Fez. Mike. Yeah. Yeah, what, what can we do for you? Oh, man, I was calling to talk about the change There's actually a Mike in Texas, actually. Well, we're, we're going to say Maine. It's the same uh, thing. Fine. Who's on? Just let me know who's on the phones. That's Pips. <laughs> uh, Pips yeah. I was seeing the previews for that show, dude, and I think it's it doesn't even look appealing to me, to be honest with you. Well, see, I had the same exact thing. But then I heard Zito in the morning mashup just fucking loved it. And I'm just, you know, I'm always looking for a comedy. I am. Yeah, I mean, you know, like uh, uh, somebody said before, the comedy here in the past three years has, you know, sucked. To be yeah. honest with you, I mean, I, I haven't been impressed with any comedy. That's just, your main, that's just your main attitude. Dude, you can't fucking get out of that. Uh, here's Mike Buffler. 
You're on Ronifez. Ronnie I got an Ichiban. I don't know what that is. It's, I think it means number one. I don't care anymore. All right. Uh, two, uh, I know the people, two LaGuardia employees uh, yesterday at for Southwest Airlines. One of them beat the other one over the head about five or six times with a metal pipe in the middle of the break room, like in front of people. Uh, pretty, pretty gruesome scene from when I got the specific details, but pretty gruesome shit going down at LaGuardia. So would you say this was an attempt at murder? Uh, apparently they're going to try him with it. And I know Southwest Airlines uh, headquarters people called up and said throw the book at him. But it, attempted murder is definitely going to be thrown in there. Yeah, I mean, a metal bar to the head. Because uh, the guy who got beat was the union rep. He's the uh, the shop steward. And he wasn't, I guess, protecting uh, or doing a good enough job protecting the uh, beater's job. And he was going to get fired regardless yesterday, and he just decided to attack uh, his, his colleague, his co-worker. Boy, I've seen people uh, who've been fired snap before, too. I saw yeah, a fucking guy, mean, when a know. whole plant got fucking laid off, I saw that the guards had to fucking carry him out while he was um, screaming. And moments before, I was smoking dust with the same guy. And I go, I heard we're having layoffs. And he's like, not me, I got car payments. And then we went in and we all got laid off. And they started fucking, he was screaming like a fucking kid. And they had to drag him out. And I was going like this. I know I wasn't smoking dust with him. How do I get the unemployment from here? This is going to be the greatest summer of my life. The policy change it might be for Southwest Airlines. No more metal pipes in the lunchroom. Where they're readily available. Yeah, that's we've already done it, right? Already said it. No, but that's a very, very famous lick. Very, very famous. Thank God I got uh, Earl. Uh, what happened to Bobby? Waiting for the lovely Laura. After all this? She's with another guest. Who's she got? Together. Didn't see. Who's a, a, a female. A female? Uh-huh. Went to Uh They said that uh, with the economic times, uh, money that the tooth fairy is leaving is uh, down on average. I'm always curious with the, you. Know, who's they? This was uh, an economic group. So an economic group knows how much money they're under kids' fucking pillows? Yeah, they were checking with dentists. Creepy. How would dentists know? Well, dentists always ask the kids. That doesn't even make fucking sense to me. When you lose a baby tooth, you don't go to the dentist. Eggs, when you had a baby tooth, take, when you pulled your own tooth out like that, did then you go to the dentist after? No, it's natural. Just your teeth yeah. fucking fall out and you grow some new ones. It's actually such a great feeling when it would finally start to pop. Yeah, when it finally slid out. Yeah, when oh. it started to fucking go off. Yes. You're like, this is fucking great. Now I can't wait to keep my uh, tongue in this bloody hole. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we had a teacher that would pull ours. Who was it? Mrs. Crabtree? All right, uh, here comes Slayton. Let's bring him into them changes, Buddy Miles. In honor of Earl. Come on in, Laura. Come on in. Bobby Slayton here in the studio with us. And Laura, it's great to see you, pal. It's nice to see you. And I'm glad Laura is with you. Hello, Ronnie. 
No, no. The, the reason I see something's going. There's a setup. Something's, something's going on crazy right there. Can I can I interrupt for one second? Yeah. You know, the last time I was on your show, I said that we'll continue this conversation next time. The conversation was about uh, about Jay Leno being such a nice guy, and you said save the story for next time. We're out of time. I don't want to continue the story. I just want to let you know where we were. That was amazing. Going, huh? You said Jay Leno was a nice guy. Yeah, and you go, and we we had a great, and then I badmouthed Lisa Lampanelli, and she tweeted me right after the oh, show. Oh yeah. Right after the show, and I felt so bad, and I. Explain to her why I badmouthed her is because I was doing a show the night before, and somebody says, "What are you trying to be, Lisa Lampanelli?" So I came on, and I wasn't pissed at her. So I tweeted her, and then on the Fox show Red Eye, I said, "Lisa, I love you. I apologize." So anyway, by the way, Lisa Lampanelli is a wonderful person. She's great. Um, and when we we did the um, I did one of the hours with her, the MS. She actually. Underneath, like her regular act, is a very sweet, sensitive person. No, she's great, but we spent enough time with her. Let's get back to me now. Now, so, well, hold on. This is. I, I'm glad that we brought Laura in with you, because you guys have become such close friends. Yeah, we've seen each other like four days in a row. That uh, everybody is like, does Laura deal with anyone but Bobby Slate? <laughs> I am hearing this up and down, and I go, what is that supposed to mean? Well, they're seen on the street together. They're hanging out. I go, who saw us on the street together? These people in this TMZ building. This, fuck, seriously, <laughs> this building is, you know what kind of people work here, awful people. And I go, why can't a man and woman be good friends? And whose business is it? We're not even good friends. friends. We're friends. Um, But yeah, we're good friends. But it's not like if I was here all the time, it would be one thing. I'm only here for two days. Right. And then since she gets me on all these shows, and she says, well, I don't really get you on them. I just put your name out there if they want you. But I still feel like she's a important. I go, let's go out for dinner. And we both have some mutual friends. uh, Yeah. But by the way, when you say that, she's a champion of you. Everyone knows that, and I think that's why they're starting their little rumor mill. Plus, I owe you another dinner now, Laura. Yeah. Yeah. Plus, because your personal life, uh, Laura, is also everybody's talking like. Oh, because I broke up with my boyfriend. Everybody thinks I'm giving it to Bobby Slate. I don't know. I don't even think they're saying that. They're (laughs) just saying. Those two are together constantly. And it bothers me because I'm friends with both of you. Well, you know, listen, I'll tell you, when, when my boyfriend and I were together, Bobby took us both out to dinner like three or four times. I went oh, to Vegas. that is liberal. Uh, There's tell, rumor about those two. Tell him when you were stuck in Vegas and your plane couldn't take yeah, off. And they... Last winter when there was that huge blizzard, I was supposed to fly from San Francisco to New York with like a quick stop in Vegas. We weren't even supposed to get off the plane. But we mm-hmm. land in Vegas and they're like, everybody off the plane. We're not going to New York till Friday. And this was on a Monday. Right. But they... But the airline only put us up in a hotel for one night. They were like, after that, it's up to you. So who do I know in Vegas? Well, Bobby has been the headliner at Hooters Casino for years. So I call him. I'm like, we're stuck in Vegas. He got us a free room at the Hooters Casino. He got us dinner reservations for the three nights that we were there and show tickets. We didn't pay for anything. Well, we paid for dinner. But, got him to uh, wings. You had to buy your own wings there at the Hooters Casino? Um. We didn't actually have No, anything. I sent them to a really good restaurant. You went to Rayo's. Yeah, went I to sent Rayo's. Them to you got to be in the Paris. Got mm-hmm. Anthony. Yeah, so that was nice. We got to see this awesome hypnotist. Yeah, Anthony Cools, which is amazing. Um, no, by the way, and so sleep. <laughs> and sleep. She said to me yesterday. Bark like a dog. <laughs> she said to me yesterday. She says, "You know, you're one of my three old man friends." Oh, I realize I'm fifty-six. I said one of my three famous old man old, friends. Famous old men friends. David Mamet's name yeah. you dropped again. But it was I saw g- David this week. I was in good company, at least. You know, everybody's mad at David Mamet, you know, because of his last book. Just saying. Um, 
all kinds of mean shit about liberals. Well, so he's been saying that for years. Listen, I'm, I'm a San down. Francisco hippie girl. I don't agree with David Mamet's politics, but you can't argue that he's one of the most brilliant He's a great writer. So you have three brilliant old man friends. Do I get the brilliant? Uh, I'm, uh, he's right, a brilliant so old I have two brilliant old man friends I'm, and you. Oh, oh, oh no. shit! <laughs> These two are breaking up already. <laughs> already. Now, what? Uh, on the air. <laughs> all right. Now... I, I'm trying to guess the third. I don't know. It, it's got to be somebody. It's got to be from somebody genius. from Broadway. Yep, somebody from Broadway. You want to play twenty questions? Well, we're already out because it's from Broadway. <laughs> we already no, you don't know, know this guy. A lyricist? No. Shit. An actor. A Broadway actor. Mm-hmm. Has Have you ever brought him in here? Not for your show, but he's been here. I mm. have a regret. I have a guess. You had a regret. I have a regret. And a <laughs> yes. Guess. I have a regret, please. All right, what do you got, Fed? I'm going to guess Joel Gray. Oh, oh that was a good, a that good guess. That is a very good guess. No, I have met Joel Gray, and I've brought him up here, but no. Will you just I tell him so I can well. get back to plugging my show? Tell yeah. him. Bobby Slayton's at Gotham Comedy Club this weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And Who's Sunday. your opening act? Well, my opening act. <laughs> Maybe you've Friday. heard of him. Maybe just just Friday, Saturday, early shows. Yeah. Is, um, who's that guy? Jim, Jimmy Kimmel? Which one? It's Jimmy Fallon. Fallon. Oh. Jimmy, Fallon. Jimmy Fallon. He's on the NBC. I know. I know. Now, my friend Jimmy Fallon, he wanted to do a half an hour. I said, well, that's going to be tough to follow. You know, 25 years ago, maybe 20, because Jimmy's not that old. I think when he was a teenager, started doing stand-up. He said to me last time I did the show, he goes, you know, I opened up for you. I go, when? When you opened up for me? He said, 20 years ago, I was like 17 or 18. Uh, do you remember? And I said, no. Um, I hope he's better now. No, he is. He's really <laughs> solid. No, he's great. Now, what is, why does he feel like he needs to work? Is he do, no, can't I don't go know down the He called up the club and he said, uh, you know, I want to do 30 minutes before Bobby and Friday and Saturday. And the club asked me if it's okay. They get rid of their other acts. And I said, well, I'm not going to say no, of course. Yeah. The thing what he'll do is he'll, he'll help sell out the show. He's probably going to be unbelievably great. And it's just going to make me work harder. You know, the one thing when you play a comedy club, the two things that's really tough to do but makes you rise to the occasion, you have a, as you know, because you're in the business, you have a crappy opening act. And you go, people pay 20, 25 bucks, and they see this, sh- you know, crap, right. shit, you can say, I forgot. Uh, I got to be better. And when you see a guy really kill, you got to make sure you bring it up. Yeah. By the way, Fez, now that he left the room, I can talk. Yeah. You know, the last time I was on your show, and this is my fault, or yeah. maybe this is a good thing, I never got so many tweets uh, <laughs> as when Twitter notifications. It was my bright idea to say to you, how come Fez never talks? Right. Why doesn't Fez ask more questions? And yeah. he did. And uh, people started tweeting, that was the best show I've ever heard, Fez talks. And then the next one, why the hell is he talking? Right. He's doing everything. So people are like, oh, they, the they don't give him a fucking break. They yeah. don't give him a break. But you do a lot of radio. Have you yes. ever seen hosts leave the room during the uh, show? No. Just get up and walk but out. But I also heard something about he can't look at the dusk. when it, What's that all about, Fez? Fez has... Oh, that uh, was a secret. Oh, you you're tell telling that? Fez stories? I, I did. No, you didn't Fez. tell me. What? No, you're you're I'm it. sorry. I violated <laughs> your Wait, trust. Why did you say I was going to blame it on somebody? Else. No, they would have known it was me. No, I wouldn't have. I would have just thought well, listen, that it was I'll Joel Gray. Well, take, you didn't say, I'll me. Take responsibility you didn't say to me. Don't say anything to anybody. If you would have said to me, don't say anything, I would have said I anything. Told I hate it story. when a whole couple turns on me. I told right, you this. I told him the story ugly about rumors. how about the about sunsets. How you don't like to see the sunset. Yeah, I get nervous at dusk when the sun starts to go down. Oh, is it a vampire phobia? Is that a thing? <laughs> Who He's gets not nervous afraid of the dark, just the dusk. What what something about the change day is gone. He yeah. just wants to be home because he feels like doom. He yeah, feels it, like doom is coming. It feels like I've been out too long, like something horrible's gonna happen you if know, I don't get home immediately. What about sunrise? Is that okay? 
I'm usually not up by then, so it's fine. And I'm already indoors at sunrise. I'm, I'm already in my home, so that's not going to affect me. What if you're me? out partying really late? You know, they have so many reality shows now about so many sick people. People who are afraid of right. the sunset. You got the hoarders. You got the people eating cake and too much cake. And you got you know the the, the you got all the cupcake wars. There's right. got to be a show. There's got to be one of the shows. Some celebrity rehab. You cupcake should be making on some. Lunatics. Oh fuck! We could do celebrity fucking weirdos. We make them live in a house and then <laughs> fill together. it. Yeah, they were just filling it with these spiders, whatever they're afraid of. But you know, Fez, where are your people from? What's your ethnic background? Uh Scotland. All right, is that some kind of, like, the fucking fog comes in there, right? Oh, yeah. What yeah. is that called there? You're on the... Oh, the bogs. The bogs, yeah. yeah. Remember they went to the bogs. Yeah, so maybe you've got, like, a werewolf or a vampire thing in your DNA. Oh, maybe something like... My By DNA, I mean jizz. My grandmother, when she started to lose her mental facilities, would get very... Oh, so the family. No, what, yeah, no, what radio show did she do? <laughs> Good morning, Scotland. What happened when she... What, how old was she? Uh, she was 99. God, so young. Yeah, it's yeah. sad, isn't it? Yeah. She started to lose in 99? Yeah. <laughs> and she would always talk about the beast. Uh, right around sunset, she would talk about the beasties coming into her room. Well, what, oh there you go. The you boys? Boys? fucking told us. <laughs> beasties. Yeah. <laughs> now, did she well, get she any... oxygen deprived. Did she get any sleep before Brooklyn, or did she? was there no sleep for her? Different beasties. All right, so... Here's the thing, like, when you hear shit like that when you're little, maybe, I don't know, no, you should be over it by now, you're a fucking full-grown man, I just tried to make up a reason that he's afraid of the sun going down. Maybe you don't think it'll come back up again, like, early men. It feels like, it feels like there's trouble somewhere, and I have to be home, like, in case the phone rings. Oh, you're like Batman, in case it is. Why don't you have a I fucking swear, cell phone? I, that, I have a cell phone, and that makes no difference. It makes me feel home. like I have to be home. He has to be home in case Commissioner Gordon calls. Right. <laughs> well, and he shines a big light in the sky, which I can't see because it's foggy out. I can see where this little... Dude, you know. if you only saw his fucking house, it, he has got it lined up like the Batcave. He's one of these fucking, you know, like a, like a child with a credit card. So he just buys all kinds of cartoon shit. Oh, really? Yeah, he's got yeah. all kinds of Batman stuff. Yeah, are you big, you're big on Batman? Very much. So if Batman was Jewish, was, would his name be Batman? No, okay, let me ask you something. Is it just Batman, or do you like other superheroes? Batman's my absolute favorite. Okay, I'll, now, I'll read some Superman comics, but it's all about Batman Now, what do you me. think about this stupid thing today in the paper? I don't know if you're a Spider-Man fan, but about redoing Spider-Man, where he's half Hispanic and half black? You guys saw that? Did you oh, see yeah, that? yeah, yeah, I did see that. Does, that. does that bother you at all, this ethnic diversity crap? No, because it's it's not even the real Spider-Man, and it's well. There's no real Spider-Man. It's a fucking <laughs> comic no, he, strip. He, there is a real Spider-Man. He's on Broadway right now. Oh, that's yeah, yeah that's tubing. Yeah, but, you know, know. By the, I, I love how you go. There's no real Spider-Man. Thank you, because my daughter's watching that stupid uh, Twilight thing the other day. Right. And she's, I guess they go out during the daytime. I don't know. I've I, never okay, seen I don't know. I don't have. I hate this crap. But you know, I like Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I get True Blood. Okay, yeah. it gets to the point where it's enough of the vampires. <laughs> right. How many vampires do you need? I mean, it's soon Count Chocula will get a show. It's it's enough <laughs> of the vampires. I mean, and by the way, scarier than half the vampires working today. So my daughter's watching this crap with a boyfriend, and the vampires are out during the day. And I said to my daughter. 
How do they go out there in the day? They're vampires. She goes, there's no such thing as vampires. They can do whatever they want. You know what? Even in mythology and folklore, there's certain things you got to remember. Superman flies. James Bond's not gay. He gets pussy. There's certain right. rules you got to... Once James Bond, you know, then they've jumped the shark. Okay, they've jumped the shark. What do you mean? And they go to high school, the vampires, and they sparkle, and they wear hair care products, and they shop at Hot Topic. They're teenagers, and they're gay. How do you kill them? <laughs> with garlic? No, with homework. Oh, they're vampires. <laughs> it's so stupid. By the way, if my wife is a vampire, Empire, yeah. and my dick was bleeding, she still wouldn't suck it. Is that Where's bad? my rim shot? Now, here's the thing. <laughs> Lars, is this what dinner's like? This is what... No, you no, it's not. Oh, you know what she said to me yesterday, though? Yeah. We're walking... Down, okay, this is great. We're walking down the street, and I see a Hasidic... All fucked up. Okay. See a Hasidic Jew. Oh, I don't like the Hasidic Jews. You don't like them? I really despise them. And I say this He's for two anti reasons. anti-Hasidic Semite. I hate them. First of all, they're not listening Pet to the names. show. They're not right, listening no. to your show. And number two, when people look at these idiots, they think... Because I'm busy making fun of everybody. Why do you make fun of your own people? Okay. I see an Hasidic Jew, and I walk by him, and I, and I was with Laura. I go, hey, Shlomo! And she goes, well, what do you call that? I no, go, and the guy's like, hi. No, no, he said, hey, how are you? And I said, no, hey. he didn't. He gave you a look like, who the hell are you? <laughs> right. Leave me the fuck alone. Because his name probably was Shlomo. He looked language. at me like, how do you know my name? He, okay, I've done that every time I fly from New York to LA, and a Hasidic Jew walks on. I go, Shlomo. I swear to God, one out of five times, he goes, do I know you? The name is going to be Shlomo. She says to me, isn't that racist? I go, why is it racist? I called him Shlomo. I said it was like if you saw an Asian guy and you were like, what's up, Chang? Right. Okay, what's your point? That's racist. It's not racist. But, uh, but, 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 but if you saw a white nobody... guy and say, hey, Smitty, I mean, uh, couldn't you do the same thing? Jonesy, what's up? Okay. It does, that doesn't make sense to me. But, but, Smith so and his, Jones are a lot of... The, his, or if you see a white guy, hey, Mike. I mean, if I... Uh, you know how many Mike's I know in fucking Do you really New York? think that's the same yes. thing? It's yes. Not, it's Why not the N-word. It's not that kind of thing. But, no, but this wasn't your defense. His defense was... Well, I'm racist in my shows, so why shouldn't I be racist on the street? That is a good defense. I didn't say that. I, no, I, what did I say That's what you, you, I said, no. you said, haven't you ever been to my show? I, that's I'm what a, I said I'm to you. I'm a racist guy. No, I didn't, I didn't say that. You can't paraphrase. Now you're out of line. Shut up, Michael. No, what I said was, she goes, how can you say that? You've seen my show, haven't you? Okay, well, there you go. Yeah, but people who come to your show... Right. Expected. It. It's the context. They've paid to be there. They're right. expecting. That's to, what to made the shout out in the street all the more special. That guy like got, a free free yeah. got a free Bobby <laughs> Slam. He got a free interaction. I didn't have to pay for it. It's beautiful. Okay. Right, here's another one. Uh, this is in the paper day. They're doing the new Superman movie. Perry White, Lawrence Fishburne. No. Yeah. No. Lawrence Fishburne's playing you? Perry White. Now you feel like. Not because he's black, right. but Perry White is an old cranky guy. Right. Me. No, right. Perry White. I don't call me cheap. I look back at the Superman comics and yeah. the Superman TV show, right. and you can see where you make a few changes along the way. Right. But you still have the Fortress of Solitude. He still flies. Yeah, it's making all these characters so they're ethnic diversity, so more people right. will see them. But see, getting back to Spider-Man, first of all, you know, Spider-Man got bitten by what? A, a spider. Radioactive right. spider. A spider. Right. Now, being, being Puerto Rican and black, shouldn't it be a roach? I mean, shouldn't it be more? Then of he wouldn't the, be Spider Man. He'd be Roach Man. Roach Man. That's what he should be. Roach Man. Roach Man. That's so racist. Uh, this seems a little racist, doesn't it, Lauren? <laughs> Roach Bobby is a comedian who's been invited into this studio to do his shtick. It's part of the. Why do you got to use a phrase like that? Like <laughs> shtick. You don't do that for any of the Gentile comics. <laughs> Thank you, Rodney. <laughs> I'm just saying, volunteering a racist comment okay. to a stranger on the street is different than doing it in front of a mic. On a show. Okay. Let, me, let, me, let me just say one quick story about what these Hasidim do, okay. if they know you're Jewish. Because if you ever walk through the streets of New York, have you ever seen them stop you? 
I mean, you look no. like you could be Jewish. No. Okay. Okay. They, they'll stop you once in a while and go, are you a Jew? Are you Jewish? Okay. They've yeah. knocked at my door. When I fly from L.A. to, like, New York, back yeah. forth, there'll always be one or two of these guys on the plane. The one time I recognize a guy, Gashlamo, that's my name. He goes, are you a Jew? I said, yes. So he comes back while I'm sleeping, and he goes, you're a Jew? Did you put on filling today? I go, unless it's clean underwear, no, I didn't put it on. And he takes out this stupid thing that the Jews do with the leather strap right. and he tries to wrap it around my arm I go what are you doing because that's filling I go unless you're going to give me heroin don't wrap a leather strap around my arm I don't want it I don't want anything to do with these people they're just they're, they're retarded I don't you'd you, rather have heroin in your yes. body than yes yes <laughs> I would yes. Uh, than anything. If I know it's good. Yeah. Yes. Than anything else. By the way, you never go out at night, do you? I can't. He's scared of the sunset. I can't. That's me. Well, no, well, yeah. Why is that? Because I'll stay out, Bobby. That's it. Steven, if I go out, I'll stay out. If this day you can't control it? Uh, you know, you, the uh, drinking you mean? Are you, are you inviting me to, the, to your show? Maybe. Is this, is this where this is going? It, Am I going to join you and Laura for late, or would I be a third wheel there? No, you could be my fourth old by, brilliant man. By the, by the way, Zito, uh, one of the people that's got spottings of you guys. So this you is how. You saw us on the street in front of Book of Mormon? How many spottings? People are going, this is, they're here together, they're there together. Yeah, we've, well, it's, it's, it's good for me because people go, God, he's got, a, he's dating a young girl for you. It's like, what's she doing with that old Jew? <laughs> it's bad for you. It's not bad for me. So I don't care. People think I'm your trophy wife. Are, That's are cool. You, That's fine. Are good. you dating anyone yet, Laura? Are no. you waiting? I'm waiting. Because your heart's well, broken. Because no, you got left, really. Mm -mm. You were left at the altar. You know what? To, oh. Out of respect for my ex, I'm not going to talk about that. But I will tell you that what, I have, uh, what I've learned is that it's not that I'm waiting. It's that I just don't need to be with anybody. Like, I'm cool on my own. I've got... I'm all set. I don't need... Mm. You'll ne you could never date again as far as you're concerned. Oh, no, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that if I'm going to incorporate someone else into my life, they better make my life even more awesome than it already is. And that's hard to do because my life rules. All right. This is kind of a... To me, it's like a lesbian thing. I see you doing that. It's like a girl <laughs> yeah, power thing. really? Well, that's okay. Yeah. That's cool. no problem with it. Well, my comment just then wasn't gender specific. It said you, that I don't really want to be with anybody right now. You said that because she looks like right. little, like Jodie Foster. A little a like lot, in right? the you accused. Know, I used to get that a lot when I was a kid. People used to... Taxi driver? Excuse me? Which movie they compared to? Oh, they didn't to? say. They just would be like, you look so much like a young Jodie Foster. Now, who do you think I get compared to now? Old Jodie Foster. <laughs> <laughs> no, people say Taya Leone now. That's who I get. People say it on a weekly basis. I, I was going to say Ellen. <laughs> really? What with the short blonde hair? Yeah, well, it's not that short. Um, anyway, yeah, I was asking you, you can't go out because you got your drink instead all that? No, no, it's not it at all. What do you mean? What, do you, what will you do? Uh, none of that. Where, where, why are you asking me out? No, I no, go no, out all the time, no, but, but I don't go out with no, every time people I, said, I used to get high with. No, every time I come, you, I say you want to come to my show, you go, I don't go out. You never once the, asked me that. Every time I'm, Invite uh, every him right time now. I'm on your show, I ask yeah. you going to come. And you go, no, I don't go out. When would you like me to come to your show? Well, I'm there Friday through Sunday. I can't make it then, but I'd love to. <laughs> you don't want to see Jimmy Fallon? Yeah, I've seen Jimmy Fallon. Live? Doing a uh, stand-up? Yeah. Okay, and then yeah. Sunday? Oh, it doesn't matter. I thought maybe it's because you didn't want to drink. No, no, no. You still drink, don't you? No. You, you know, the two-drink do two minimum, you can get water. You don't have yeah, to I'm going to pay for alcohol. fucking water. Yeah, well. No, it has no... What, what do you think? I'm Hasidic? I have no problem giving these people money. I, Plus, I know the fucking comic. Didn't you drink a lot? 
Yes, oh, we yeah. all did, Bobby. Everyone drank. No, 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 and no, did no drugs. we all did. Some of us still do. By right. the way, my wife said to me, so I still drink a lot. Yeah. And my wife said to me, uh, I, unfortunately, I'm not bragging about it, but my body seems to metabolize the liquor usually yeah. uh, quite well, which is bad because I keep drinking more. My wife says to me, so, you keep drinking like that, it'll kill you. And I said, well, if I stop drinking, I'll probably kill you. So one of us, I got either way, <laughs> none of us gets out of this alive. And I almost stopped drinking because Jackie the Joke Man and my friend Bill Burr told me both that they stopped drinking a few months ago and they feel better mm-hmm. so i decided swear to god the other day maybe i'll go for a month without drinking because i feel good already I, what's the longest you went 45 uh, minutes no uh, uh might have been five days but without vodka a few but, weeks see the thing is when you stop drinking the coke is really going to kick in that's the well, fucking beauty of it them. i stopped both of them. Oh, but geez. here's the thing i was about to do it and when they said that amy winehouse died from alcohol withdrawal that's there you go because I, I don't want that to happen to me you know, but are, are you drinking that much that if you don't start drinking again you get shakes I don't know I don't I'm not going to take that chance no. I don't want to take that chance because you Smart. know what so far I live way past 27 so any drugs or alcohol I put in my body it's not going to be like Brian Jones or Jimi Hendrix or Janis Joplin or you know it's, I'm not going to die so I'm worried about uh, if I stop I, I could I'm, 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 I'm good. And Amy Winehouse, God rest her soul, woke me up. Thank you, Amy. That cloud is a silver lining. So, uh, so she, <laughs> she died so you could party. I don't know if God said that. But yeah. I, it made me, it made, some people see a sign and they wake up and watching Amy Winehouse die, which was a horrible, horrible thing because I think she was a great talent. But if the fact, if she would have died from alcohol or drugs, people would have said, oh, screw her. You know, she, that junkie. Right. But the fact that she's cleaning herself up and was going to adopt a kid and put herself on the straight and narrow, I think is magnificent. And that's what killed her it's ironic and crazy but it woke me up that i gotta keep drinking and i'm gonna every time i have a drink for the next month it's gonna be to amy winehouse have you know if let's do this Laura. if you found out that bobby you know drank himself to death or od'd would you be surprised or yes i'd be surprised I've been with her, we've had dinner five times what is it we've done five times have i drank that much five times. I've been, yes have we, <laughs> i've been with you five, five times. times four five times had dinner together yes yeah Okay, right. at every dinner there's been plenty of wine. Mm-hmm. Have I ever been drunk? I don't know. You say if you don't know, then no. Have I seen Buzz? Have I drank vodka? Did you see did, me? Did he, some stuff? What's the this point of the drinking thing? if you're not going to get no, Buzz? But here's the thing. Did he eat or did he just keep getting up, going back and forth to the bathroom? Oh, no. He, he, this guy can eat. Yeah. Mm. If I went to the bathroom doing coke, I wouldn't be eating. <laughs> so people have this thing that think I do tons of blow. I think I drink like crazy. I hear stories about me. Not as great as... You tell it. stories about you. What? <laughs> you tell stories about no, you. No, once I tell true, I know stories I tell. No, I've done my share of drugs and alcohol, but I don't do a lot of them. And I really... Don't do coke anymore because I don't know where to get it. I can't afford it. And it mm. gives me sinus problems. And I talk fast enough. Who needs it? You know, I did Mark Maron's uh, podcast. And I do your show. People go, yeah. how much coke is this guy on? How much blow is he doing? Right. And when I used to do that stuff, number one, it would slow me down. And then when I did too much, I talked so fast only like dolphins could understand what I'm saying. It was like it was like a sonar. <laughs> so I don't need that stuff anymore. You're done with it. Not necessarily. You're going to just limit it to the times that you want it. I don't buy Coke and sit around doing lines. There have been times between shows I'm exhausted and nobody asks me one line of Coke. And no. I go, yes. And I'll do it, but very rarely. Have you ever said no to an audience member who had Coke? Is an audience ever, member? What? Yeah. Somebody goes, hey, <laughs> big fan of yours. Let's do some Coke. I, that you, I don't usually do. Have you? you know, never. No. I, I, I'm sure I've done it. Yeah. But I don't do it with people I don't know. 
you know, so, so you'll never be the thing of, hey, I'm a big fan of yours. Let's go back to my house to coke, and I want to watch you fuck my wife. Those days are over for you. You don't need that anymore. Well, there was so much of that. Yes, there was. <laughs> that, you, that know, was you know how many comedians have got that? I, you yeah, know what? No. That's one of the most famous things. Never has this ever happened to me. And this comedian's a lot uglier than I am, and this comedian's a lot less popular than I am. You know how many comics have said to me? Hold on. There's trouble in booking. Laura just ran out. She ran out. Well, now yeah. we can talk. Good. What did comics say to you? No, but so many comics, uh, you know, God, that chick that came up to you, she's so hot, she wants to come home, her husband wants to watch. I guess that's a very common thing. And, and I, I told that to my wife once, and she said, would you like me to have sex with one of your friends? And I said, no, I can never do that to one of my friends. <laughs> I mean, I have to, but you? <laughs> but try this milk, is it spoiled? It's not my food. Uh, well, uh, I want to be a romantic, I can be a romantic. Um, let's go over here to Keith. Keith, you're on fest. Hey, what's going on, guys? Yeah. Hey, does this guy really just say that he's past age, so whatever drugs he puts in his body aren't going to kill him? Nothing can hurt Bobby Slayton. That's awesome, man. Some of us spend years trying to figure it out, and we just decided it's safe enough to quit. You know what, though? I don't do that much drugs. It was like almost like Keith Richards, who was one of my heroes, God's living testimony to drug abuse. You know, people try to be like him. People try to do what he did, and I'm nowhere. And I'm bullying. I'm not even. I'm not, I'm not bragging. I'm not complaining. I'm not comparing. But, you know, I do what I know I can do, and one day maybe it will kill me. But, you know. Uh, my hat's off to you, man. I tried it for years. I just figured it would be safe to quit. Well, you need better alcohol and better drugs, you know. Somebody yeah, turned me, right. turn me into a vodka last night, which is very funny. I'm a vodka guy. Yeah. And now I have one or two drinks before my show, and that's it. But I was at a restaurant last night. It was a Russian restaurant by my hotel. And the guy said, try this. And I tried it, and I'd never heard of it before. And it was the smoothest. He goes, you can drink a bottle of this before you know you're drunk. <laughs> 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 then it hits all the same goes, time. Yeah, yeah. Because so I try to drink something that really doesn't taste all that great. I water it down with a little bit of lime, and it's more like health. Like I'll get a Jamba juice and put a shot of Stoli in. So it's balance. <laughs> it's you know, it's all about balance, Rob. Laura, you want running out? Is everything okay in booking? Yes, everything's fine. You sure? Yeah, just when my phone rings and it's a, a number I don't recognize, I'm always afraid there's a crisis, so I gotta make when sure. When you I ran out, Fez went to. He went to. Stoker. What did I say? What did I say? What did I do? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's uh, such a fucking great impression of Fez. <laughs> that exactly. Um, sorry, that, sorry that, that was my Carol Channing. <laughs> I mixed them up. People. Now, what did Carol say? Oh, she was yeah. Hello Dolly. Yeah. yeah. Did she ever sing another fucking song besides that, though? She did, but you know what? That will always be her legacy. Mm. Do you know I saw her at a restaurant one time? She was a she always brought her own uh, silverware to a restaurant. She'd go out to eat. She'd bring her own plates. I was at Spago one time, the great famous Spago. And it was back in the 80s. Never been there before. And I sit down. And this is one of the, you know, four-star fancy Wolfgang Park. Yeah. You know? Wow, he's one of the first nouveau restaurant guys. And she sits down next to us. And she takes out one of those, uh, like, pizza box to-go things. You know, with the guys over food. She got her own silverware. She took her own plate. I, I don't know what... I had never heard of that before. Yeah, well, it's good, though. Now, I know women will take like their own stuff when they get their nails done now because they don't trust that the Koreans will have the right nail stuff. Do you and, mean, when you say stuff, do you mean nail polish? No, or the you mean scissors, like, oh, the emery board. Weird. No, because that's yeah. where you can get these fucking diseases. Yeah, but if you're worried about that, just do your own nails. But somebody almost lost their thumb. Some famous person almost lost their thumb because of some shit that was all over the scissors. That's what I'm to Jerry Garcia. He was getting him out of Jerry Garcia had four fingers. A lot of people don't know that. The guy that wrote, we just talked about that before, Baron Wallman, the famous photographer here, and said that Jerry, Jerry um, Garcia never showed that thumb. He tried to hide it. Very right. embarrassed. That it wasn't had, his thumb. It was middle finger. Middle finger, right. But it, no, it was one of, yeah, one of his fingers. No, it wasn't his middle finger. His thank God, Because he could still give the finger. Imagine losing your middle finger. If you had one finger you had to lose, it wouldn't be that one. Yeah, That's the best finger ever. Give but, somebody a half. 
but he, that's what happened to him. He was getting a manicure, got infected. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds like Jerry. Uh, what what photographers here? Baron Holman, who did a lot of. If you saw the first photographer to work, work for Rolling Stone, I'm surprised you right. have on your show. No, I would have loved to, but yeah. Well, well um, I. You know? Oh, I'm not getting anybody. You right no, now, not my, me. I, I put all the well, information no, out there. My guy's only talked to Spencer now. He's the hot hand. It used to be Laura. Used to yeah. You Laura know, and I, I used to be gotten, like partners. I haven't gotten a single request from one of your producers in like three or four months. Like since and last I time try, I was in here, I used to try to do your show, and it's uh -huh. Laura, and I know she's doing her job. Laura would would email you. I go to Akamron and Fesno want me on. And I, nobody, I never heard back from even him. even. Until last night at like six o'clock, I never got a yes. We want him. I booked him because last time you were like, next time just book him. But yes. I must have sent four or five emails saying, "It happened last so, time too." Do you want Bobby Slayton? I've got him on the t on the calendar. He's going to be in here during your show. Do you want him? I never got a yes. I never got a no. So until yesterday, it was listed <coughs> on the calendar as tentative. When I finally was like, I got to tell him one now, way or the other. Do my producers have that kind of reputation with all the others? Because I know I've, they're I've never so close with the reputation. Spencer. Somebody needs to get fired, and you should do it on the air. And if we had more time, it would have been great to do it right now. It would have been nice. I think nice. what Spencer does is he actually walks to the office, asks them in person, gets a yes. Well, he also gets the, the hot hand. I mean, I don't know what's going on with Spencer, but he's getting the biggies. Well, he is something else. Nothing against you, Bobby. We're always, glad to, no, no, always no, glad to have you. I understand. But we're talking about this other stuff. But I would have loved that the first photographer from Rolling Stone. Yeah, yeah. Well, he was the first I one, right? Loved to, yeah, I would have loved to have brought him in Who was the here? second? They never bring that up. Uh, was the second photographer? Yeah. Oh, no. Well, there were like three guys. The other one who was a friend of mine. Who, talk about Coke, a lunatic. Yeah. You should know the name, Jim Marshall. You've seen his oh, photo. Oh, yeah, he's fucking Johnny fantastic. Johnny Cash in the finger. Yeah. The stone's on the plane. Yeah. I mean, John is jumping. He's a friend of yours? Uh, he was. He's dead now. He died yeah. He died a couple years ago. He died at 65, and I was talking to Baron about this. It's amazing he lived that long because the guy had guns and did tons of Coke. And I'll tell you right now, the one thing I do know... Guns, coke, and an amazing temper are three things. Right. He shot his 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 girlfriend was uh, his girlfriend I think was uh, uh, cheating on him or something. And uh, Baron told me the story. Remind me. And he shot the guy. He shot the guy in the leg. And the guy went to the hospital. And Jim, Jim Marshall snuck into the hospital at night and said, <laughs> "If you press charges, I will fucking kill you." And they had to press charges. That guy was nuts. He shot of guns in his in his in his house in San Francisco. And I went to his apartment one time, and somebody said to me, uh, and he has uh, amazing photos. He has some of the only color photos of Lenny Bruce from the early days. Yeah. And he invited me to his house. He'd come to my show, and he invited me over to look at some of his stuff. I might wanted to buy a photo. And one of his best friends said to me, whatever you do, when you go to his house, don't mention. And I forgot what it was. Someone's like, Niagara Falls. <laughs> Slowly, I turn. Whatever it was. He goes, don't say anything. It was something like that. I had me, who was probably doing coke at the right. time. I went over, and it was very no. nice to him. And I'm looking at for, for 15 minutes. I'm very respectful. I go, what about, you have to shot Niagara Falls. And he looked at me, and my friend that was with me, his guy goes, he's going to take out a gun. Gonna, and yeah. he was fine. So I, so I take like, wild beast. It was like some fucking artist who probably banged his chick back in fucking 68. Yeah. Like, so, you know, you brought up Moby Grape or whoever it happened to fucking some, be. I uh, some band that wasn't supposed to make sure. Whatever it was, I could not leave well enough alone. I, I just wanted to see him. It's got to be so annoying to be you. You got to be like, when do I fuck it up? At what point yes. do I fuck this no, up? No, okay, somebody just, Judith, Judith Regan just asked me on her show. She said, Jenny, you're such a good comic. You're so funny. How come you're not famous? At what point did you fuck that up? <laughs> every, every few months, I just keep, uh, I don't know. What are you, you just, talking about? You're totally famous. Remember that guy who came up to you on the street the yesterday? 
in front of <laughs> the scalper in front of the Book of Mormon came up to him and was like, "Hey, uh, you're funny. I've seen you on TV. You're funny, right?" And he's like, "Oh yeah, nice to meet you." And the guy's it, like, "I'm serious. I've seen you on TV. But I've didn't seen know you my on name. TV. He no. didn't know who I was. I know. I get more like people I get recognized on the street all day, but it's more like, did we go to high school together? Was that your bar mitzvah? Did I shell cell block so, so you know cell block with you at Attica? You know, always you don't want to be fucking recognized everywhere. Look, even here, no. you're recognized walking around with a young blonde, and everybody's talking. The whole fucking place is because people recognized me. Yeah, that's exactly it. Thank you. I guess my <laughs> producers you. don't. I guess my producers have no idea. Zito is just staring, just staring they, daggers. They know what I look like. They just don't know my email address. They're just staring daggers. I'm going to talk to them later. Is but it, they're is both. How about Kevin Hart? I emailed you last week about Kevin Hart. How about the multiple authors that you told me to book them myself, basically? Oh my god! How about that? Oh, yes. How about that, Laura? Yeah. So why am I getting thrown under the bus? Let's take this down to Scott's office. There's no. Uh, there's no sense of. He did email me this. about Kevin Hart, who I'm working. Is that on four months ago? Or is that four days ago? <laughs> All right. Okay. Wow, Laura gets handed her fucking lunch. Well, wait, 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 So what happened to me? How come you didn't? We shouldn't find out till later. It was start. a confirmed booking, so I didn't think it was a confirmed. It was tentative. Was off the schedule, so I figured Bobby's good to go. So I asked Ron, and he ran it by him. He was fine. I'm always fine. I'm always fine. You know, I think Chris hates me. When I come in next time, I'm getting thrown under the bus. Do I come into the office and start just talking shit about you randomly? Shit. No, I wasn't trying to talk shit about you. Ron was saying that I wasn't doing my job anymore. Well, that's because you're so busy with Bobby and you got this. <laughs> but I definitely up. sent you the information about that Rolling Stone photographer. I never heard anything back, so do I said hey, that's, that's fine. But I, you said that I, I haven't emailed you in four months about okay, a booking. I take that back. No, it's too late. Now, here's the important thing, oh, Bobby. You're late. working this weekend. Yes, that's the, Mike, can we all focus? Yeah, Bobby's got shows. I actually shows. have to... Uh, Scram, so. I know, we gotta go to break, too. Bobby, you're at Gotham this weekend? I'm at Gotham Comedy Club, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, if you're in New York, and Jimmy Fallon will be opening for me the early shows, and that'll be Friday, Saturday. Seriously, I, I, I watch this guy, because he's coming after you, after all these years that you crushed him on stage, you're gonna have to fall smoke, bring your A-game. I'm gonna have to bring my A-game, Because he's gonna it. be doing, you know, Adam Sandler impressions, he's gonna have the whole thing, the guitar is gonna be out, look at Lars just staring down now, she feels I just, bad. I don't like it when people are mad at me, I'm sorry if I threw you under the bus, Chris. There's no madness. But you didn't throw him under the bus. You didn't mention him by name. Just... I'm, I'm glad it's out. Uh, now, Chris, you have no, it's, I'm not. No, I see it tearing not. up a little bit. And that's not. This is not the way we no, are. I love these guys. I love everybody on your team. I'm not trying to throw anybody under the but bus. But this is good radio. You're, you're upset. It's, it's very kind of, you know. Yeah, plus, you're one of those Fez, people you have <laughs> great eyes when your eyes get watery. If it's you a really crying, good thing yeah, for you. Yeah, Fez is going to cry. And I'm going to leave it on. catch. Fez will only cry if it happens to him. He doesn't have feelings for other people. Oh. So Gotham Comedy Club yeah, this great weekend. Club. Yeah, New York, and then I'm all over the place. BobbySlane.com. You watch me on Pitbull of Comedy on Twitter. And next time I come in, I'm going to come in with my daughter, Natasha, who has... Oh, that would be great. Natasha's We'd love to like, have her come by. You should, hear, you should listen to her music on her website. It's great. We're going to definitely do that. And she's not auto to like Britney Spears. That's her singing. That's awful. Yeah. All right, buddy. Talk we'll out. see you next time. Thanks, man.
Oh, this one's going out there, Earl Douglas, because I had this riff in my head today. I couldn't remember the song. I don't know what the hell happened to me. Whether it's Alzheimer's, I could not remember the song. I called Earl. Four seconds later, peace. Now, you can say to yourself, Ron, you work in a radio station. A lot of people give you that. Not one. Not one person I did it for, but I can play Name That Tune with Earl uh, anytime I like. Uh, since we're doing an Unmasked a little later on today, uh, we're going to play some of the most requested RBIs all time coming up later on in the show. And uh, give away a couple of uh, signed Ron and Fez t-shirts. Now, it's an awkward time here. By the way, the famous Jay Lawson's just stopped in. Good afternoon. Nice to see you. And rumor is you're going to be at the new Molly's. I don't know how that's all working out. You want a job as a counter girl? I, I really don't. I, Do you know how to make espresso? Uh, no, I have absolutely no idea. Change? I zero quality. Change I could do. See, I'm, not, I'm bad when it comes to change. I'll just go like this. Let's just call it 12 even. No matter what happens, I like to round it off. No one even wants their change anyways. I don't want change. I, don't, I never have change in my pockets. I despise it. Um, it was a very uncomfortable morning before you got here. Hicks made someone cry and it wasn't Fez. Hicks made Laura, our booking person, uh, cry. Before I get to that, I've got to go to Hard Rock Johnny. Hard Rock Johnny, if you want a burger and, and see Famous Pants, Hard Rock in Times Square and Yankee Stadium. Hello, Johnny. Hello, Ronnie. That is exactly why Earl Douglas is employed at the Hard Rock. He is a musical savant. Now, I called him, I swear to God, this is how I did. And he's like, them changes. <laughs> it's... it's it, everybody who, you know, Earl went through a number of interviews to, to come work here, and everybody who he interviewed with was, like, blown away by his musical knowledge. Like, it's it's incredible. Like, you can ask him anything. And it's not just one, like, you know, genre of music. I mean, the guy knows everything. And it's it's kind of freakish at times. Well, you know, for him to get credit for that is like for me to get credit for skipping school. It's something I wanted to do. And then later people are going like, hey, you're really good at that. And I'm like, really? All right, thanks. <laughs> well, and you know, it's, it's funny. We've been looking for someone to fill this position that Earl has as the, the vibe manager, which is this kind of growing thing that we're going to do in all of our, at all the hard rocks. And he, uh, I was trying to rack in my brain, who do I know? Who do I know? And I made a phone call to one, to someone who used to work with you guys. And he said, why don't you try Earl? And I was like, why didn't I think of that? And sure enough, I mean, he went through the process. And so what does Earl do over at the hard rock now? Currently, he's in training because we don't have this position ready yet. So he's kind of just kind of a host and kind of works with people as they come in and out of the building. But what he's going to be doing is basically the vibe host position. When we get it up and running full time, is he's going to basically be like a program director of our music station here. Uh, you know, because music is obviously a big part of our, you know, what we do. Obviously, and he he's going to be here five you know five days a week. But there's another gentleman that you know they'll kind of share the position with. And when we're open, he'll be able to walk around and, and you know, kind of look at who's in the building and set the vibe for what he thinks is right to, you know, for people who are in the building. I mean, it's a pretty cool gig. And, and you know, it's something that's kind of we're, we're working on. I think it's great, Johnny. Seriously. No, he's, he's like the perfect guy for it. It's, it's, you know, there's some people who are, you know, like the sports guys who, you know, like you could ask them a stat of, you know, who someone, what someone batted like, you know, and 30 years ago and they know it. 
and those are sports guys on the radio. And now, you know, someone like Earl, who has that, that music savant thing. It's amazing. So he'll be able to tell whether you got an 80s crowd, a classic rock crowd, a grunge crowd. Absolutely. He, he can, mm. you know, he, he's going to be able to read that. And, you know, he, that's what he does. I mean, he knows that kind of stuff. And uh, there's, you know, there's just people out there who are like that. I mean, you, you have a wealth of knowledge about a lot of things. So like, what, Johnny? Know. Let's we not fucking run that. me down for that. No, it's a good thing. Oh, okay. You know, but there's some people, like, I, my music knowledge is, you know, I work here, but I'm not good at remembering things, because I probably smoke too much pot, and I just have really bad memory, and it's, you know, some people are just good at remembering stuff like he that. He actually, Johnny called me up one time, and he goes, there's a singer here, and he's from the Rolling, what? What is that band? <laughs> and I had to say Stones, he's like, yeah, I know it was a that or rock something. <laughs> the Rolling well, Rocks. There was a guy here from the Rolling Rocks, I don't remember. Well, when you guys get everything up and going... I'm going to go over and see the vibe manager when he's really rolling, and I'm going to see if the vibe is where I need it. Oh, if you're here, he'll make the vibe fit you. Yeah. Which, you know, that's, that's the goal. See, that Slayton was trying to be my vibe manager. I can't go out with a guy who's fucking, you know, then he's like, why don't you ever come out? Chop, 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 chop. <laughs> I can't. Flathead's going to be here in 14 minutes. <laughs> that wouldn't work for you. What's wrong with you? Why? Why? Because I'll stay. What the fuck don't people get about that? Uh, all right, Johnny. Talk to you later. Later. Uh, uh, Jay, I'm going to tell you this right now. First of all, I don't know what you're doing with the hair today. I don't know whether it's a wheezy thing or whether you're Tupac. I don't know what. Why, why you got you tied off like this? Uh, it's, it's like the last few weeks. I can't go out without a headband. But drag. but is it? Have you joined a Mexican gang that I don't know about? Is there trouble? <laughs> no one messes with me on the. That subway. is true. Well, do they normally? No. Good. Uh, I know you made the big move. You like the new apartment? Yes, okay. I like the new apartment. Because you were you were one of those nervous movers. You it was a bad time for you. It was not. I, I have to be. I love to be settled in, and just the I just was scared. The whole thing was just really scary. See, I'm just the opposite. I like to know in 12 minutes, burn everything you have and get out of here. <laughs> I want to constantly feel like the feds are coming in. But we had a very uncomfortable morning here, where Hicks made someone cry, and it wasn't Fez. Now, Chris. Yes. I don't think that you said anything too wrong. This is the problem with working sometimes with sensitive people like Laura. And I was going to say women, but I'm going to change that to sensitive people because some men are sensitive. They feel like they can say stuff, anything. You know, Laura doesn't have a filter. She's always comfortable saying, you know, you guys are assholes and don't do anything. As soon as Chris said, well, you're the one who's not doing your job or I never hear back from you. She immediately went into tears, which makes Chris Stanley bad guy. I guess. Do you feel bad that you made her cry? No. I mean, I don't want to have any beefs with the booking department. I don't think I do. But when I'm told I, you know, I haven't responded with someone for four months, it's a wild accusation that I feel I needed to address. Now, I thought this was interesting. Fez, you're a known crier, right? Yes. Yeah, you felt no sensitivity towards Laura. You didn't feel like, oh, let me make this better. You actually like backed away like they had their own thing. Are you not sensitive to another person in tears? Well, I'm very sensitive to it, but I thought Chris Stanley was in the right here. I thought... Oh, that surprises me. See, I thought, I thought Laura... Pick 
picked that fight, so I had trouble with sympathy in that respect. Why did you have to say in that respect? Why didn't you just say I have trouble with sympathy and leave it at that and be totally honest about it? Um, you thought she picked the fight with because she's basically saying to somebody, uh, hey, I never hear back from your people. Which, is, let's be honest, not the first time we've heard that from Laura. Laura acts like Chris Stanley doesn't answer her at all. Well, I think we proved that I do today. I guess with her tears? Yes, I don't. That, I mean, you're doing your own thing. I'm not part of it. <laughs> I don't think that we heard that neither one of you, you... All you said is, I also don't hear back from you. That's true. Yeah, well, she was saying that I, I, I never contact her, and I do. There is a back and forth going on. And she said to me when she left here, Oh, no. I just want you to know, <laughs> I get the great guests that I always have. Because she used to be our best buddy. Oh, yeah. And then we've just, you know, we're living in Spencertown. Yeah, we're in Spencerville, USA. And then, and there well, was Spencertown. <laughs> now, uh, Excuse me, town. if you look over, O&A are living in Rolling City, and they're very happy there. Well, I like the Spencerville uh, city-state that we're in. Just why can't we just pick one and leave it there? But, Fez, now, you were uncomfortable when she started crying. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know. I mean, I know what it feels like to start crying in here. That's not a what lot. I'm... Yeah, but that's not what I'm talking about. I just want to point out that when a an adult starts crying, it makes everybody else feel uncomfortable. I don't know whether you're aware of that with your normal crying jacks. But I don't know whether people realize that when you start to cry because you have any reason that you need to, that other people think to themselves, I need to get out of here. Because immediately when she was doing it, I was saying to Bobby, well, Bobby, you're going to be at the Gotham this city. Uh, and he goes, like, what's going on? Well, yeah. I go, I got another guest book. Who do you got? Uh, Jay Lawson. She's on Twitter. <laughs> but I need to push this show. I wasn't the tickets aren't fucking moving. I got fucking Jimmy Fallon up front. How the fuck is that? He's on TV every night. No one's watching. Uh, so, thank you for doing that, Jay. I had to use you as a lie. Oh, it's okay. Everyone lies. But it does, uh, you know, it does make people uncomfortable. Kirk, you're on running Fez. Hey, little Jimmy Norton this morning made reference that Fez turned him into HR for hostile work workplace environment. There, What's up with that? Fez goes to HR quite a bit. I don't think Jimmy should take that personally. Fez is just going down there and he basically just talks to them every day about who fucking bothers him and who doesn't. I know they must have a Ron file that's just unbelievable. And I'm pretty sure they're not taking it serious. I doubt it. Highly. Do you think you could stop crying, Fez? Uh, no. No, because I really, I feel that I don't, that I am fighting crying. Yeah. That I'm trying to swallow it back down and not let like it go. Like it was cum? You like to treat those tears like they're cum? Uh, What's wrong, Chris? Uh, it's cum out of your face. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I guess that it would be ugly. And then I feel like, I feel like I just have no control over the emotions. 
It just it, when it wells up, I can't I can't put a dam on it. Right, but so you can't deal with your emotions, right? Right. Yeah. Neither can other human beings. That's the problem. I need people around me that are dead inside. Are you a crier, Jay? No. Never cry. Almost never. We can never make you cry. Probably. I mean, you I can bet that ex- make me cry. I bet that ex-boyfriend used to make you cry. Uh, I, it was like it was more numbness. It's like when things are so bad, it's like you just shut down. Yeah, you just shut down completely. Now I know you're a Big Brother fan, and the last time we talked to you, brought up some kind of Craigslist not nonsense craziness in your personal life. Yeah. Did you see Mike Boogie is now in the news over I, this kind of stuff? So you know who Mike Boogie is right, Fez? Right. Yeah. So apparently, somebody that was doing a business deal tried to then blackmail him by saying either this deal goes through or everybody finds out that you're a, a Craigslist pervert. Now, you and your ex-boyfriend used to use the Craigslist. Mm-hmm. Yep. I've never been on Craigslist in my life, not even to buy an old shovel. Hicks, have you ever been to Craigslist looking for stuff? No, I'm not going anywhere. Near I know of Craigslist. I've but have you ever just like, I'll spend some time on Craigslist? <laughs> no. I never have. <laughs> and I don't know. Now, there's a certain section that's just for sexual stuff. Yeah. Now, whose idea was this? Your ex? He was doing it before I came down to New York. And it was sort of ingrained in his habits. So so what would he be looking for there at the Craigslist? Just someone to like come over, some crazy girl to come over and continue, you know, quote-unquote, partying for the night. Now, what would you need to have to for the the girl to come over. I mean, do you have to pay her money? Oh, it's like sometimes loosely implied. Uh-huh. But usually with him, it was more just like, I have this great apartment and I'm like super awesome and come hang out. And usually there were girls who wanted whatever he had enough to just come by. What's this? Gak? Yeah. Okay. All right, then I, I kid, that is paying for it, but that's still fine. All right, so he would put up there, who wants to party all night? Come by. Blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And then when you went on Craigslist after to humiliate him or whatever, what would you would you look for or would you put up your own thing? Oh, no, I'd usually look. Sometimes I put up like just um, maybe like twice I put up an ad. Mm-hmm. And just to go through the responses are pretty interesting. And then there's always like, oh, I wonder if I know this person or odds are I'm going to run into somebody that I know. And maybe like once every three months I'd actually meet someone at a second at a at a like location would you be somewhat addicted to craigslist though i think it was just part of the whole like if i was in a a like a negative period of my life it it became a part it's definitely negative energy there's nothing good about it it's like mm-hmm. there's nothing good that's going to happen well from meeting someone that way fez now you're always saying that you're lonely right right why aren't you going to craigslist because they have the craigslist killer mm-hmm. one yeah, but one is enough for me. <laughs> yeah, but that's like saying when you leave the house, you get hit by lightning. Right, but it... Uh, All right, good, right. It, But still, you uh, don't know it's a Russian roulette. Well, it's not yes. Russian roulette if it's one in a million. It's Russian roulette if it's one in six. It's still two... Those odd, one in a million is still odds that I'm not willing to take that I'm going to meet somebody on Craigslist and they're not going to, you know, hit me with a brick. Well, you don't think people have been hit with a brick after meeting in a bar? Well, it happens, but at least at that point you've, you've taken some time, you're out in a public place. 
This isn't, you know, having someone over what, to your apartment. Let's do this. Do you think more people have been kidnapped or killed from a bar or Craigslist? I would think a bar. All right. So, again, if we're looking at actual numbers, were you ever fearful that you'd be hit in the head with a brick like Fez is saying? No. First, it, like Were you one, at one point, I was hoping, yeah. and usually they just ended up. We ended up getting along, and it was just like one were of those. I was like, "Why? I want these people to hate me." Were you already? Were you a little suicidal? Oh yeah. At that time, I think yeah, it was just. And I'm a Catholic, so of course, like Better I could murdered. never do it myself. So it was all like, let's walk down empty blocks and meet random people. But the thing about Craigslist is that there's an electronic paper trail. So if somebody does kill you, at least you'll know that they'll get caught. If you meet someone at a bar. There's no physical connection. Yeah, but that doesn't give me any <laughs> relief knowing that they'll be caught and I'm well, dead trying to write their name it would give in my you, own blood. It would give you relief knowing that the person would think, if I do this, I can't disappear again. They'll be able to figure out who I am. Better than if there was a picture of me, you know, in a bar. Right, but I also think that if someone sees like, oh, they murdered someone that they met on Craigslist, that that will give some psycho an idea mm -hmm. and say, what a great place to try to find victims. And that well, more has, people will try it. Have, has that happened in the two years since you read about the Craigslist murder? Not that we've heard yet, no. And you don't have to worry because it seems like that only happens to gays. Um, right, have you been suicidal lately? No. Because if you ever need to be hit in the head with a shovel, I would fucking do it for you. <laughs> as long as I can get away with it. Hicks, have you ever been suicidal? Well, in high school, I missed that party on Staten Island <laughs> and had to take the ferry like back three times and was really pissed taking the train home. <laughs> I was always disappointed you didn't kill yourself that day. <laughs> I really thought you... about throwing myself in front of a fucking end train. <laughs> How close do you think you were? Scale of one to ten. I'd say about an eight. I was really distraught. <laughs> Really pissed off. <laughs> um, Frank, you're on a Fez. Hi, Ronnie. Hundred bucks. Hey, uh, I don't know if uh, Fezzy knows this, but a hundred percent of the time, one out of a hundred people will kill somebody. All right, let's go back to something Fez fucked up before. All right, let's get back to you, Chris Stanley. Sure. Do you feel like you're the type of person? that can work in an area where there's nice young ladies that you can make cry? Or do you feel like your personality is too brash? Look, I'll just say it. Too masculine oh. to be in an intergender office place. I mean, I try to get along with everyone, but if, you know, the crying happens again, I might have to reconsider. Do you think it's easier or harder? And I'll put this out to the, the listeners. Easier or harder to work with women? 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Now, this isn't saying that Chris is wrong, and I'm obviously not saying Laura's wrong, but you, our show has this we scream attitude going all the time. O&A show, obviously, yelling attitude, yell, feeling free. So we come from that background of FM talk, where if the producer doesn't get something, you'll just say, you didn't get it because you're a fucking idiot and you're so fucking stupid that you should take the stupid train home. And then that's the end of it. No one fucking ever brings it up again. You're done. But when you work with like normal people, i.e. women, you can see what happens. They, 
I know Chris well enough to know that he just talks that way. He wasn't mad at her. He felt that he was defending himself. And in defending himself, he made someone cry. Now, the other part of it, and this is what's fucking funny. I kind of feel bad and I'm worried about Laura because she cried, even though Fez cries here every day. And if anything, we just taunt him. But if Fez was a woman, and I mean completely a woman that the fucking sex change had went through, we would be saying they're only doing that because, you know, she can't protect herself. I just think we talked that way. Hey, Brooklyn A, Sherman and Fez. What's up, Ronnie? Fez, yeah. how's it going? Good. Uh, absolutely harder to work with a woman. They, they got that once in one thing that drives you nuts. You know, it, it's insanity. Wow. Um... Let's go over here to Kevin. Kevin, you're on Run Fez. Hey, buddy. Yeah. Hey, my boss is female, and it's easy to work with her. We tell dick jokes in front of her and everything else. She cracks up laughing just like we do. Um, all right, so easier or just as easy? It's easier, I think. Uh, Mike, you're on Run Fez. Hello? Yeah. Oh, this... Uh, sorry, I didn't hear you. I think it's harder because uh, pretty much you want to have sex with anybody you, I mean, any female you work with. And even the pigs, after a while, you're thinking about what it would be like to fuck them. All right, so you are really showing that men are scumbags. Let's go over here to Rob. Rob, you're on my face. Hey, um, I think it, it, it depends on if there's a whole lot of people. Like, if you're one guy and, like, 90 women, you know, uh, they just pretty much ignore you. But if there's, like, even, you know, 50-50 uh I think it's harder only because of, you know, like, pent-up crap, you know, that guy, you know, from both genders, you know what I mean? Like, Yeah, uh, I can't even fucking understand you. You're like a half a retard. Uh, Monica, you're on a fez. Hi, I think it's definitely harder to work with women. Now, why would you say that, Monica, being a woman yourself? Are you just saying it's harder to work with you? Uh, No, well, I I guess if I work with other women... Which I do. I probably am a little more difficult, but I find it much easier to work with men. They don't have the range of hormones fluctuating like women do. Now, the thing is, I used to work in a warehouse as a material handler, and all the most 90% of the people who worked there were women doing packing. And they would pack up all these boxes, and then I would cart them off to the truck. I got along great with them, but those were like blue collar women. They would fucking hit you with something. Where I think white collar women are the ones that are more sensitive. It's really weirder. Like the harder of a life you have, the less sensitive that you are. And the people that cry are generally the ones that have had the easiest life of all. I don't know why that is, but it's true. Uh, Eleni, you're on running Fez. Hey guys, how you doing? We're great. Turn your radio down. Huh? Turn your radio down. There we go. Yeah. Yeah, I've come pretty close to death. I used to work as an escort on that frickin' Craigslist trying to make some money. There's a lot of crazy guys out there, and I know people that have been disappeared, you know, missing. The Craigslist killer. I've been in that Marriott plenty of times. I knew the girl. I met her before. All right, so what town did you work out of? It was Boston, Mass. All right, so you're saying Craigslist. Now, if you are going to be an escort, what's the safest way for you to work? Honestly, you got to go to an agency. But you know what? Craigslist ruined the whole game because all the drug, you know, people on drugs 
are now able to work as an escort in the agencies. They'll accept anyone now. So, so it's like the oldest game in the book is ruined. Craigslist completely ruined it because it opened doors for the guys. We'll call them tricks. They, they have all these, you know, kidnapping ideas, like you were saying. It's true. They, they caught on to all the tricks and games that us girls use to make money, and they turn it against us, and they friggin' kidnap us. All right, so what kind of game would you use to make money? Oh, you know, typical John. You walk in; it's two fifty an hour. Agency gets one fifty. I get a hundred. Well, I get one fifty. They get a hundred, and they say, "Well, how much is full service?" You go, "It's a thousand. And most of the time, before Craigslist, you'd get that thousand dollars, and you'd be in and out in like fifteen minutes. Simple, easy, discreet. Right now, it's all about drugging and fighting and kidnapping the girl and robbing the girl, and then. They get the end call that was allowed now, and they go to the end call, and the escort agencies weren't making money anymore. You know, I just got to say, thank God Craigslist is gone. Right. So you're back at an agency? No, 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 no. I left that life. <laughs> what do you do now? No, um, Stenographer? I'm going to school. No, no, no. no. I'm yeah. going to school for, you know, something totally different. I'm telling you right now, I don't know what job you're getting, but you ain't making no $1,000 in 15 minutes. Oh, no, no. Those were the good days. Yeah, they were great days. That was like 10 years ago. And the guys were nice and classy. You know, I mean... It was 9-11. What the messed up thing is, the street walkers got onto Craigslist. The girls on the streets, and they just completely fucked up. Lenny, let's not be racist about this, though, right? There's plenty for everybody. Yeah, but walking the streets is trashy. Come on. Right. Where uh, being with an agency, a little more classy. Yeah, you can dress up, you can go out, you can go see a movie, you can go hang out after whatever. Yeah, happens. enjoy yourself. All right, yeah. so uh, you're saying Fezzi should stay off the Craigslist. He will yeah, get killed. don't fuck with it, Fez. We love you. All right, thank you for the advice. Don't do it. Uh, stay away. You know what? Let's do something for Lenny here. Uh, we've got a season... Uh, for your DVD set. It's season two of Eastbound and Down from HBO, starring Danny McBride as the ultimate ladies' man, Kenny Powers. Season two takes place in Mexico as Kenny Powers heads south of the border. We're going to make sure you get that DVD set. A complete season two of Eastbound and Down. So you buy season two on DVD, Blu-ray, digital download, and experience Kenny Powers in Mexico. Must be at least 18 years or older and a listener or subscriber not open to residents of Alaska, Hawaii, or Canada. When Kenny Powers comes back, he comes back hard. Uh, let's do it a little nicer for Eleni. Let's give her a signed one, Fezzy. Can we do that? We can give you one signed by Danny McBride. Nice. All right, Lenny. Enjoy All that. Right. No. All right. And if you don't like it, you can always sell it on Craigslist. <laughs> um, here's Eric. Andy, you're on a Fez. Imagine working with a 90% female staff at a restaurant, half of which are under the age of 21. And then imagine trying nice. to tell one of them they have to shower more. It's a nightmare. Yeah. All right. I can see that. Uh, Fezzi, by the way, is going to be at Molly's uh, for the soft opening this week. We don't know whether... Are you going to get a counter job there, Jay? <laughs> I keep reading these things. That's and crazy. It must, it must be true because it's online. I'm going to be there as the cupcake mascot on Friday starting at 2 p.m. Molly's Cupcakes in New York uh, opening at 6th Avenue and Bleecker Street. Everything with Fez sounds like a live read these days. There's no point that it feels like he's talking. 
Uh, Kate, you're on first. Hi, guys. Hi, um, sweetie. I, I would work with men any day over women. And my reasoning is, is because the arguing, the whining, they get in the fights with each other, they get in the fights over guys. It's like so much easier to work with men. Now, what kind of work do you do? Uh, I'm in the carnival business. All right, so yeah, they're 100%. Yeah, like I will take guys any day. Uh, by the way, where, where are you working right now? What part of the country? Uh, right now, I'm jumping from uh, Indiana, yeah, Indiana to Tennessee. I'd love to be back out there with you, honey. Uh, I'll, I'll give you a hole anytime. All right, that's perfect. Spin and win, whatever it stops on is what you get. Uh, give me a call sometime. I want to just talk to you. All right, bye. Uh, it's very funny that you always hear women say, I don't like women. But you'll never hear men say, I don't like men. Why do you think that is, Hicks? Because bitches be hating other bitches. That's I why. I didn't understand that. But yeah, I guess you're right. Bitches do be hating other bitches. Uh, are you more of a girl's girl or a guy's girl? Uh, I hang around with more guys, but I've, I make, I've tried to make a conscious effort in the past few years to hang out with girls. Now, last night you were at a big uh, show with your girlfriends, right? Yeah. Who'd you go see? Sufjan Stevens. Now, Hicks, are you into this at all? Yeah, I liked his uh, Illinois was his album, mm-hmm. that big album, right? Yeah, yeah that was I love that album. Uh, we got a break here. Do we need to break now, Hicks? Yeah, we can break. To here. catch us all up, uh, coming up, we're doing some of the RBIs for you. But uh, Hicks is going to come back for a little bit. Off the Illinois album? Yeah. Or as you call it, Illinois? Mm-hmm. Either or. Mm. Come on, feel the Illinois. <laughs> <laughs> Girls, rock your boys. Are you familiar with this artist's office? No, I don't know anything about this. You're going to be very moved. I'm kidding. You're not going to be very moved. He doesn't like music. But he always acts like he's open. To, you don't have any music at all that you like? No, I just I just don't. If even if I put it on at home, I would forget that it was on. I it would it just tunes out. I don't hear it. Um we need to get you like one of those little little things that you lick and stick on. One of those cuz like a name card, you know? Mhm. And they'll just say, "Hi, I'm Fez, I'm dead." And that way when you're meeting people, I just it's odd to me, and I've I've talked to a couple other uh, people about it. Alexis Stewart also doesn't understand what people like about music. She's like, I don't get it. I'd rather put talk on. No music. I don't know. I, I mean, I can understand if you don't like a certain genre. I mean, I, I meet people and they'll go like this. I hate the sound of a banjo, and they're very serious about it. It hurts them, but to not like any kind of music. Is surprising to me. All right, we break. Back in seconds. Run for the show.
It's uh, Ron Fez show. Wow, sounds like Brooklyn uh, band show right now. <laughs> the uh, look who just stopped in. We were talking about Hicks had a very bad day today, where he made Laura cry, and Jay Lawson's was just in here. And well, look who it is. Team Cunny showed up. It is <laughs> our own Lily, and of course Jennifer. Um, Jennifer, I thought you were going to cry in here the other day with Fez. You were very sad. Why do you have to bring that up? But uh, we're bringing it up because crying came up, yeah. and the the conversation turned to: Is it so much more difficult when you have to work with women because they cry? I do cry all the time. I could have cried that day. I might have cried that night. I don't know that I have to admit whether or not I did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now Fez is a crier too, but Fez isn't sensitive to your crying, and you're not. Sensitive to Fez's crying. How, how could you make such a determination? He told me after that happened. He goes, "I go. Did you feel bad that you?" I go. Jennifer's feelings were hurt. Did you feel bad? And he goes, "No, because I didn't say she, my feelings were hurt. We I could said, all I tell that your feelings they were, were hurt. hurt. It wasn't that my feelings were hurt. I felt sad that you felt badly, Fez, and so I made a mistake and I hurt your feelings, which made me in turn feel horrible. So this is going to end in tears again. Was. This is going to fucking end in tears it wasn't again. Wasn't that I felt hurt? I felt like I hurt him. Now, I never want to hurt Fezzi or anyone for that matter. You said almost the same exact thing that Laura did, but Laura came in here, you know, uh, gangbusters. She was just shooting from the hip, and everybody was taking it. Taking it. Uh, you know, it was like a roast with her. But then as soon as Hicks did his normal Hicks things, like he does to the rest of us. Yeah. I mean, he screams at me constantly. Oh, no. Yeah. But I know that he's a fucking retard, so I don't... I just tell him to stop being stupid and retarded. Very non-retarded. No, you're ver- real retarded. No. I mean, sl- <laughs> retarded in the thing of slow, slow-witted, slow-brained. No, that that's way. not true. Not in the fun way. No. I mean in the actual clinical way. And you know that because you made a girl cry today. That does. If that makes you retarded, then the entire male race is retarded. Well, as long yes. as he didn't hit her, it's okay. What's right. that? As long as he didn't hit her, it's all right. So as long as a woman isn't physically hit, mm-hmm. everything else is fine. Well, so I there's think no, it's just par for the course. See, there's no such thing as bullying in your world. I'm constantly bullied. I'm just, I, I'm resigned to it. You roll with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you think that men... It's okay for a man, J.A., to you, and you came just out of a bad relationship, right? Yes. An abusive relationship. Yes. And do you feel like verbal abuse is abuse? Absolutely. I'm going to fucking ask Absolutely. you again. Is it goddamn... Stop, are you too right, fucking stop. stupid? Start from the beginning, all right? Let me do this slow for you. So that is abuse in your mind. Oh, completely. Lily, do you see it as abuse? A verbal abuse, yeah. I mean, to a certain point, yeah, verbal abuse. Is. I have a problem with that. Uh, in what way? I don't see it as abuse. I see it as the other person being an asshole. And there's no... The only way that it's, it's, it's actually abuse is that if you feel like you give your opinion, then you're going to get a fucking slap. Then you're in an abusive relationship. Mm. But you don't think if somebody was verbally cutting you down at work every chance they could or just saying I would call that work. offensive things to you, like mom's nice a whore. I would call that work, too. Yeah. Mm. Most people would. Yeah. I mean, I've worked with mostly men my whole life. Right. I mean, in the restaurant and even in radio, it's mainly men. Um, so I've always been probably the one who abused or harassed people. <laughs> you are kind of, <laughs> yeah, I mean, people could say what you did to Earl, for instance, was yeah. verbal abuse. Yeah. And uh, what Dave did to me, and vice versa. Have you like, ever been in an abusive other. relationship with a man? No. Phys- no. Jay, Absolutely. you have been. Verbally abusive, physically abusive? Okay. 
Look, she's just gotten very small and us bunny-wise. Oh, I'm sorry you went through that. Okay. It's but horrible. It, is it? That guy's a stupid fuck. <laughs> Don't be verbally abusive to him. That just keeps this whole thing going around. Let's just try to fucking understand each other. Mm. Okay? Mm. Have, have you ever been verbally abused in a relationship? No. Your your husband doesn't or never has? No. Verbally abused me now. Yeah. Mm. I mean, he could be an asshole like all husbands, but he doesn't abuse me. So, nagging is nagging verbal abuse if they keep bringing up the same thing. When did this become verbal abuse? I don't think nagging is verbal abuse. I mean, are, abuse. We really, are we really entertaining this discussion right now? <laughs> Honestly? Honestly? You don't know what real verbal abuse is? No, really? I don't fucking know what really, real Rod? verbal really, abuse Rod, is. Really? Yeah, it's exactly right. I, I, I fucking think it's a, I don't, I think it's a choice if you're verbally abused. Well, no, this is what I think. I think if you're a woman who's been through so much that you're damaged to begin with, and then you get into a relationship where, where somebody preys on that damaged part of you, that's, can't, that can turn but into a But that is a fucking choice. Abuse. If you're in a relationship, see, it's a choice. I see what you're saying that it's a choice, but I think for, for these women, it doesn't seem like a choice. Most of the time, they're stuck on some level. But then the, then it, the responsibility has to go back to that person to get out of it. It would be And great. I think that if we fucking, seriously, yeah. if we keep in a society acting like, well, this person had no choice to stay, that's fucking wrong. Okay, I agree with that. And so you I don't think you someone, do. No, I do agree no, I hear your whore mouth. Out. I hear your whore mouth talking now, whore why stuff. Why do you have to go there? Whore mouth stuff. What's whorish think, about I just me? think you have a prostitute's mouth. I do? <laughs> really? I've heard like, it can before. Can I get paid? Do you want to get paid? Because <laughs> you could. But you're actually yeah, acting no. like that I'm being naive because no, verbal you, abuse is listen, everywhere. I think a man that is in a relationship with a woman and constantly conveys to the woman how how small she is in all the wrong ways and how horrible she is and how worthless she is and how useless she is and and what a zero she is. I think if that woman is already coming to the to the party with low self esteem, I think that's incredibly sad and yes, abusive. To me, is it the same thing as physical abuse? No. If but anything, in most marriages, yeah. I would think I see more of what we call henpecked or nagged husbands. You didn't ask that question. But that is not considered verbal abuse, where the guy's choices are attacked. As a matter of fact... I, I think it I is. Can, I think I'm it fucking be. telling you, it is yeah. called a sitcom these days. <laughs> okay. If you watch King of Queens and you watch Everyone Loves Raymond, those are two that, according to you guys... They're in verbally abusive and even physically abusive relationships. And we sit and laugh and enjoy it because, because it's funny. No, we sit and laugh and enjoy it. I think a show like Everybody Loves Raymond because we know that Ray Romano is going home with a very big paycheck. So, like, there's this thing that we're lit watching, but we're saying, like, wink, wink, he's getting millions and millions and millions of dollars to be No, I to think that, we, that if, you're, if you're supposed to su suspend disbelief, oh. and I even had the guy in, yeah. did an unmask with him, and he said, this is the universal relationship. Now, I don't care what country you live in, the man comes home and takes shit from the woman. We're not, we're, we're supposed to believe that that's a reflection of life. Hold on, I'm thinking about that. Well, I will say I, I see more women nagging husbands than I do see men verbally abusing women on the street. Or but why, why is one nagging <laughs> and the other I one's know. verbally abusing? Um, because it's, I, I, don't, I don't think women are doing it in a way that's trying to cut them down or make them feel... Absolutely um, they are. If you watch those yeah. shows, uh, Kevin James gets called fat 
every well, fucking that's episode. Wrong. That's wrong. Now, if you had a, a just being honest, yeah. but if there was a woman and uh, on a show and she kept being called fat cow and blah 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 it wouldn't say well people would are, fucking lose it we're victims and we always are the victim that's I'm a not choice saying it's right but that's how people yeah, will always sympathize with the women more i also think the fat always. thing is different though from women to men you could be overweight in a man and be hot you can't be overweight in a woman and be hot it's a different thing so for women being called fat is extra hurtful it's more hurtful to be called fat as a woman than it is for a man but it almost comes back to this thing that we I, and i'm not trying to be white guy mm -hmm. but it seems like the only thing that's okay to make fun of is white guy and the country and that somehow white guy can't understand how awful he's been which i'm sorry we got you to the moon take a look at that <laughs> fucking moon we conquered it for you it's not true. It isn't true. We I'm never kidding. went to the moon. Of course, we did. You're one of those dumb bitches. I am bitches? not one of those dumb bitches. I'm just a whore. Mouth, just your mouth. <laughs> oh, thank you for that distinction. But if the roles were reversed, on everybody role. loves Raymond, and because the Raymond character is terrified a lot of times to be around his wife or to go home, wouldn't they be telling? Her to get out of right. that relationship, to get out of there, to yes. get out of that house? Yes. You're saying that he's actually physically and psychologically afraid of her. He's terrified he, he's, of her. You're saying he doesn't even want to be there. He's just afraid. Right. Yeah. So and he would never. You watch more would, than me. And he would never leave her because that's he's terrified exactly too. what I said from the beginning. Who's the sucker for staying? I mean, if you're staying in a situation where somebody's constantly putting you, you that, down, that you're a started loser, this guy or girl. That started this kind of. And you make J.A. feel bad about herself. I do. Well, I do want to say. I do, I do want to say you are right. I mean, women, we we do we do suck. I wasn't Cock. going dirty there. It was. I knew you were. Cock. I knew that everyone else was going. We do that, yes. But All right, let's get back. We are horrible, and we do nag our men. And I do think it's an epidemic. I and think a problem. it's a mom. It's a mommy complex too. I think some men. I think men enjoy it. I got to be honest with you. Some men feel comfortable being bossed around. Really? And being, Not mommy, I, man. I think Oof. there's some guys who have had that mommy, that mommy issue. All right. Now, Chris. Uh, by the way, you were attacked here by Lily J A with the and and and, and a simple fucking hand on the arm doesn't help. Well, I mean, it's it definitely took me too long to get out of the relationship, but I did get out of it. You're out of so it. That's good for you. You're a winner now. I don't feel I don't feel like I have any regrets about it. So you feel like you learned something from, and you'll never be in another uh, relationship like that. I hope not. Let me fucking say this slow so you can understand <laughs> me. You won't be in another fucking relationship like that. Uh, Higgs came up with a, something today. That you were saying it came up on why people are gay. We finally came to the realization of why people are gay. Because they didn't have enough male-to-male uh, -male contact with their father as a child. So now there's anti, like, cure gay camps where men just hug each other and, like, cuddle with each other over, like, an what? extended weekend. Why are we calling that a cure gay camp? Why don't we just call that gay camp? Yeah, I don't know. This seems So if dodgy. your father... See, we used to think that it had something to do with mothers. This is the, the first misfucking thing for gayness, that mom was too strong. Now it's dad is too strong? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a basically, um, it's caused by part of a lack of fatherly love and affection. The thing is that when boys miss out on healthy same-sex affection, they eroticize all male touch. What about women? Oh. Men are not the only ones who can be gay. Uh, yeah, but I think with women, I think it's gay. a different... Oh. I, I, see, I think... I have this really... Go ahead. Uh, I think that men... I think gay men are born gay. 
And I think women sexuality is more sort of in flux. I think women can there's a flow yeah, yeah. I think women it's a flow. It's like mm-hmm. a it's like a a spectrum. They're more evolved. <laughs> it, I don't think that it means that we're more women are more evolved. Less I evolved. just feel like there's I feel like women can choose. Mm-hmm. And I feel like a man you're born gay or you're born straight. And I'm sick and tired of people trying to figure out a cure. Are, who gives, who are you sick and tired stupid. of being sick and tired? Is that where you are right now? I am now? sick and tired <laughs> of being sick and tired. All right, so, but you th- there is a lot difference than women wanting to be in a nice, healthy menage where everybody's enjoying themselves. Mm-hmm. But some women are just literally gay. They live the gay sure. lifestyle. Oh, yeah, yeah. Not like, oh, in college I went down on my girlfriend in front of a bunch of guys. Wait, That's a lot fucking that. different. I never did that. Well, you, you're popular now. Maybe now you can give it a try. Okay. But I, I, I think it comes back to this. Is women like pretty things. Why wouldn't they be attracted to other women where men understand there's nothing more disgusting than a man because we've been around men all of our lives. But do you think there's anything to do with this, daddy didn't love me, so I'm gay? Is this just retarded? I think if you're gay, you're gay. That's yeah. what I think. Or there can there be exceptions to that rule? Certainly. People do all sorts of things. Because a lot of people decide la- later they're gay. Well, well, that's latent. That's because they were shunning it or pushing it down. That's why I worried about being born again, because this time I could be gay. So I'd say to the Christians, no, I got by the first time. I missed that fucking bullet. Jay, what do you think? I've seen mothers like create a gay son, like have a son and say, this one's going to be gay. Like, oh, oh yeah, seen. that's right. You well, that's live on the Upper West Side. But that's not creating the gay. Maybe that. Maybe that. No, that's I've a New York thing. Mothers oh. like choose, like, and and they've grown up and and become that way. Like, I don't know. They always surrounding them, you know, with their clothing, with certain types of people. But I've seen it happen. I don't. I don't know why. Uh, because I've because if you live in Manhattan and sometimes you see a three year old kid with a sweater wrapped around his neck, <laughs> you know, and mommy would like a fun gay son. But I don't know if that happens in the Midwest. I know uh, I've seen not. it. Goodness. Yeah. Uh, My father tried to get me into baseball when ooh. I was a little kid, <laughs> and I didn't become a word. baseball fan. Right. So. What's the point there? That I don't think she, uh, the Upper West Side women can create their gay sons. But that's but now you're acting like parents have no uh, influence on their children, which is crazy. Because why would we be walking around with Christians and Jews and Muslims? They were all born into that family. You know what I mean? Like, I could say, I don't believe in the Bible, blah, blah, blah. That Christianity thing, I'll never be able to kick. Those things pop into my head at different times. So when you, if you're, you you only have two things that you can do with your parents. Act like they're the biggest dicks in the world and I want out. Or uh, do exactly what they do. You either rebel or you go along. And they're both kind of the same way. Um. So, Lily, at the end of the day, you're saying, would you rather work with women or men? Um, I'm, I'm not sure. I've never really I had the experience of working with the majority of women. Uh-huh. Um, so that'll be like a, a experience for me. Because right now, I, I like working around men. My, my personality fits more of a man personality hmm. than women. So... But I think women are great. I think women are, are harder workers, cry more organized, we're better students, so I think we're better workers. 
but we're a little sensitive. You are sensitive. sensitive. It's very surprising how sensitive women but can be. But we know but then that. Fez so is why can't so we just sensitive. accept it? But you see, here's the weird thing. I've never seen you cry at work. No, and I've seen don't. you in some ugly fights. I cried with Lily last week. I cried After like two sex? days into meeting her. No, I was just having. I was getting my period, and I was. Like, I, I wish a, you girls wouldn't say that. And I was having so a freely rough day, and, and yeah. so I was like, I'm going to start to cry. I'm just giving you a fair warning. There's nothing I could do about it. I'm going to cry. You know that the Jews were right when they used, you used to have to leave the house in for the like old a days. week. Let me tell you something. Yeah. For a week, there was no touching. This, there was nothing. This was the most brilliant thing any religion yeah, you has just ever disappear. done. Disappear. Where would you go? Out in the woods or you something? Go, you go the period house. You go somewhere and then you go to the mikvah. What if there was just like a nice spot called the period house? The period house. Where <laughs> all the girls the, go there. The period and then the guys can hang out. That was great. flowing chocolate. There was, yeah, there was, mm-hmm. I was away this weekend. There was a lot of PMS there. Where'd you go this weekend? I went to the Canyon Ranch in the Berkshires. Mm. But there's no canyon up there. <laughs> no, but I did tell the story and I did you see the video of me running and roaring did you see so I told the story when I was a kid uh, on the school bus I used to roar and mm. I can't figure out why I still can't figure let's out let's hear your roar though well I did I did on my website but can you do it now we only try. have a couple it minutes like, it was like roar or something so yeah that's really embarrassing on the school bus and my brother says were you strapped in no my bro- I thought it was like just nothing like an attention getter and then my brother said no that everyone was questioning my sanity yeah you're <laughs> but you could go see kid. that but on, you were touched you as a child scare people jenniferhut.com yeah I, I don't know what I was doing it was uh, pathetic we gotta wrap this up because we got an unmasked to do but we're gonna play some of your favorite RBIs and give away uh, some stuff did we give away everything that we needed to give away today? Mm-hmm. We did all of yeah. our giveaways. Did all your live reads and everything. Uh, Lily, you're coming in for this? Kidding, I'm at, I'll be there for Good. sure. Front row. Like the old days. Show some leg. Like when Lily used to show up for the Unmasked. <laughs> well, yeah, I was here. Now, <laughs> do you, you don't want to go in studio. You want to be in the other room, you say, because you're oh, ADD. I would rather in be in the other room so I could leave if I need to. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. But I want to listen to the whole thing and watch. Yeah. I'm just well, ready to roar. <laughs> I might. Fast. It's nice to see you two getting along again after what happened the other day. I knew we would be okay. It's yeah. fuzzy. You didn't bring any blueberry stuff today? No, I have chocolate though. Milk chocolate plain. Anyone want some? Yes. Okay. <laughs> she always she says she's on a diet, and yet she always has <laughs> candy and fucking all kinds of fun stuff. All right, so we got to head into break here. Thanks, all you guys. Sorry, Laura, about what Hicks did to you today. She's I guess an you bet. Yeah. He is just an asshole. asshole. Okay, defending my job, I'm an asshole. (laughs) Fine, great. You just never tell me who the guests are. I would love to know. She gets a lot of great guests. You never tell me. Throwing out guest names. She can't get them booked. All right, we break. Uh, Run a fest show. Tommy, you can't do this. You don't bump guys. You're not like those. It's a wrong situation. They can't make us different people than we are. We're not muscle down. I, I never killed anybody. I used a little information for a chisel. That's all. Show. 
Um, well, we're off doing an unmask right now, so we wanted to play for you. Uh, well, it's actually a Twitter contest that went on, which was what were the favorite of the all-time RBIs? Hicks, you said yours was what? Bill Withers. Hmm. Loved it. Fezzi, yours? Bob Newhart. Loved. Well, that's not an RBI. That's an unmasked. But in this case, I will allow that into this. Oh, yeah. Um, here's some of the stuff that uh, folks... Uh, what are you upset about? You didn't know that it was an RBI? No, I, I, uh, I just blurted it out. I mean, it was all uh, so my nice, favorite. It is your favorite, and it, it, I will allow it. It is allowed into this today. Uh, here's some of the stuff that uh, came in for the Ron Bennington interviews. Clarence Clemens, my favorite interview. He really showed how pure that guy was. Now, do we only like that because he's passed away or because it was a good interview? Um, my favorite interview was with Neil Tyson because I shared it with my dad, who's a science geek, and turned him into a fan. Uh, I like Neil Tyson, too. That was one that, Chris, you felt like you had to have. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. You loved him. You can't get um, enough of the guy. Here's Goddammer says, Ronnie B's best interview was Ricky Lee Jones. Most heartfelt interview I've ever heard on both sides. Been a fan ever since. I do adore Ricky Lee. And I don't think she's been back, has she? No, she's not. As much as I like interviews, it's always the women that I'm most happy with. Because you get to spend half an hour talking to a beautiful woman. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Uh, a man described best by far, Bill Walton. His athlete to medical journey touched down hard in my soul. I will say this. Bill Walton, like the rest of us, fell in love with Mr. Chris Stanley. He loved it. Uh, that was a weird... Fire on the Mountain, which was really Kathleen from the Bronx. That's true. Pulled that one together. Um, Ray Davies came up. Dr. Jack Kevorkian, chilling and beyond compelling, one of the best interviews I've ever heard, uh, which we then found out we did in uh, the last interview ever with Jack Kevorkian. Yep, that's it. No yep. more. Done and done. And the next one, if you want to be there, you got to head to the abyss to see Jack Kevorkian. Uh, here's a person who said, my favorite was Peter Riegert. He just shows up outside the door and he's invited in. It was great and funny. My most listened to. That was probably one of the cooler ones. I think we had just started XM and we looked out and that very, uh, that red haired girl who worked at a different place had Peter Riegert up there and we said, can we have Peter Riegert? That's awesome. So funny. Uh, Peter Rieger, great, great actor. One of those more or less underappreciated guys, but not by not underappreciated by anybody who likes film. Oh, hell no. But underappreciated by, like, Hollywood. It's Boone, baby. He is Boone. You can't fucking beat Boone. Forever. Uh, and he was nice to Pinto when he didn't even need to be. Uh, Marlo Thomas, RBI, hit my family so directly that we discussed it at dinner with my five- and nine-year-old girls. Wow. Game changer. Uh, that's me, Fixed Computer, said that. Well, that's very nice to hear. Uh, let's go over some of the other titles that came out here. Nick Cave, Dave Lynch, 
uh, Robert Randolph, Sharon Jones, Jason Lee, Chuck Polinick. Uh, we've done a couple with him. Brett Easton Ellis, I've heard that from a few people. Love that one. The Breeders. Great. Of course, that was Hicks' uh, favorite. Arlo Guthrie was a great Thanksgiving surprise. That was amazing. Uh, Ronnie Spector. Tom Morello. A lot of it is just... This is the an, an interesting one. Hillary Winston came up a few times. She was the girl who said my ex-boyfriend wrote a, a book about me. Alex Gibney. Franco Harris. I didn't like him. Uh, a lot of people wrote in uh, Danny Aiello. Greg Allman. Uh, Dick Cavett. First, he was one of the guys who first did this and then came over and did Unmasked. Smokey Robinson. Randy Newman. Tony Bourdain. It's very weird. We got Anthony Bourdain very early in his career, and now he's a giant star. He's huge. It's crazy. He's all over that travel channel and everywhere else. He's the man. Uh, Nick Cave has come up uh, quite a few times. Uh, Joey Pants trying to help Fezzi was hilarious. Henry Rollins. Henry Rollins is a, a great interview. Philip Carlo's name comes up a few times. Quentin Tarantino. QT. Very, very nice. Here's Joan Rivers, which uh, was actually a cool one to do. Joan Rivers turned out to be actually pretty brilliant. And by the way, her on Louis C.K.'s show this year, phenomenal. So funny. Just so good. Uh, but the one that came up quite a bit and uh, would have to be one that we did early on, and that was John Turturro. John Turturro, very early on for us, great, great actor, and he was here to promote a movie that he had written and directed. And it was kind of a little cult film. And... Um, when he came in, he's one of those guys that you could understand why he's a great actor because he has a very strange sensitivity about him, almost like a heightened sensitivity. And everybody picked up on it. He's one of those guys that when he would meet people in the hall or just, you know, stop and say thank you to people, they would go away feeling like they had a moment, you know? And I don't know. Whether you can see that on film, but I'm sure that's the thing that comes across, and that's why he's a extremely favorite, uh, a famous actor, uh, who's done all different kinds of stuff. He was uh, directing and wrote a very small movie. God, Hicks, what's the name of this film? Fez has been looking Romance at and cigarettes. Romance and cigarettes. Romance and cigarettes, uh, and it um, it's a film that you should catch out because it's kind of a musical, but it's not. He almost uses the radio as the as the sense of making this a musical Jersey film, and who doesn't like a Jersey film? So one of two, uh, and we'll be giving these out. Um. To some people today, let's give out the first, uh, we'll pull into this and give it out to Lone Blue Star will be the person 
who wins the first T-shirt signed by the Ron and Fez guys. That's right. Lone Blue Star. Uh, But this is one of people's favorites out there. Stay tuned as Ron Bennington interviews John Turturro. John Turturro coming in. This uh, one of the many songs in Romance and Cigarettes, which is kind of a musical, huh, John? <laughs> it's uh, it's a yeah. musical, but they're kind of singing along with the songs. Well, basically, uh, we use the music like people do in real life. You yeah. Know, in the in the car, in the bathroom, in the bedroom, in the basement. People all have their own private soundtracks to escape reality to fantasize, to express things that they can't express in language. And all of us have that. We all have that. Uh, y- y- there's a certain kind of emotional uh, memory we have with certain songs. So I, I thought that would be an interesting thing to uh, to use as a device, whereas if James sings along with uh, Tom Jones, Tom Jones mm. is the dominant soundtrack, but the the actor, you know, accompanies. Them. You know, it's very funny that you said that emotional uh, type of anchor that we have with it because I saw this film with my uh, chick and her sister, and every song they were pumping each other because their grandparents used to play so many of those songs, right. so many of the early '60s stuff that their grandparents held on to, and so while you're using that for the characters, the people that I'm with are anchored in with each one of these, which I thought was uh, kind of amazing. Well, I think that's what, you know, everyone has an imagination, and everybody yeah. loves music, and we all have our own eclectic, you know, mix in our mm-hmm. brains that we have. So I, I only chose a few uh, modern songs. I, I chose a Nick Cave song. Which was uh, great. And uh, the song from the Buena Vista Social Club, which is really an older song, but right. we've been... It's been yeah, out here. It's new, you know, for us now. It's and even with the Springsteen song, everything yeah. it just seemed like it was dead on. Uh, was it tough to get the music though? It took us about a year and a half to clear all the music. But Bruce Springsteen liked the uh, the script and the idea, and so he came along and he gave us "Redheaded Woman" for a, a very modest price, mm-hmm. and that's how we did it. We, we did it song by song. You and know? you have to go in and convince all the people, all the people, because wow. you're dealing with music and lyrics, and then you're dealing mm-hmm. with you know. The, the artist, you know. Right. Uh, so I had some interesting conversations with. Uh, I had an interesting conversation actually with James Brown. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, because yeah. they wanted to know uh, who was, you know, going to sing. Uh, at one time, James Gandolfini was going to sing along to uh, "It's a Man's Man's World," right. 
And because uh, he was, oh, you know, he yeah. said, who's in my song? Who's in my song? And I was like, I said, what you say? I said, my song, who's in? I said, you know, the guy, yeah. and then I got nervous because I was talking to James Brown. I said, well, you know, the guy was on The Sopranos. I, he's bad, he's bad. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but, you know, it's really, it's kind of like, uh, I always thought of it as sort of Charles Bukowski collaborates with Bruce Springsteen and James Brown, you right. know, on a, on a, on a movie, you know, with music and, and kind of down and dirty poetry, you know, uh, because it's basically a love story and it's, it, it's also tender, but there's, there's a, there's a certain amount of obscenity that goes along with the, the tenderness or the mm-hmm. spirituality, you want to say. Uh, and it is, uh, you know, again, when you're watching this film and you go into, I guess, surreal places, it would be right. considered, but, uh, so you got to take that leap in. You got to say to yourself, "I'm going to go along with the film." Well, you know what? I think people do that every day in life. Mm-hmm. You know, when you have an argument or you know something good happens or whatever. And uh, you know, I had a lot of real firemen in the film. They're the dancing firemen, right? And when they, when I kind of read some scenes to them, they were like, "Yeah, we we understand this. This is like this is our life, basically." You know. Yeah. They, uh, I mean, it's about a marriage and adultery and all these things. They're very human things, right? And you really want to surprise people when you when you do it. And I think it's quite funny the movie. I mean, audiences when you see it with a big crowd of people, mm-hmm. audiences really really laugh uh, at the film and really enjoy it. And so now we're just kind of opening it up here, and we hope to go wider. And uh, we've had a lot of success in Europe with the film and. It, it's been delayed because our company was bought by another company, and that was, you know, that's uh, the facts of life. But now we're back up on our feet, and uh, we hope to have a long run. John Totoro is sitting with us talking about his film Romance and Cigarettes. I think one of the things that works so well in the film, by the way, I'm a big fan of it, and again, I will say it took four or five minutes, ten minutes, right. whatever it was that I had to say, I'm going to stick with so I could stop acting like this doesn't look like real life. But right. the actors really, you, you see the actors in a different way, I think, than you ever have before. Right. Right. And I, I'm at the point right now, I'm a big Kate Winslet fan. I would assume that she would not be able to surprise me anymore. And the, the, the scenes that she did in this film, I'll put up against any film, any actor working today. I, I think she gives a brilliant performance in the yeah. film. I mean, I know that sounds a little self-serving, but yeah. it's... You know, I mean, you said it first. I so, will say, uh, it. I, I'm just seconding. That's fair. Yeah, yeah. She's she gives a brilliant performance in it because uh, she she basically does everything you could possibly do in about 30 minutes of screen time. Uh-huh. And I and I also think that James uh, Gandolfini gives a a fabulous performance in it. You know, he, he it's really funny. It's tender. He, he's sexy. He sings. He dances. Mm-hmm. He farts. He does everything. You know, he has. And uh, you know, James is is a guy who's He's got a, just a tremendous amount of humanity you know, right. when he approaches it. So that's what I wanted in the characters, uh-huh. and, and that's why I wanted certain kinds of people. And I always knew that Kate could, uh, you know, I, when I was a kid, I always had this thing for Anne Margaret. Sure. And, and I showed Kate Tommy. I said, you see uh-huh. what she does in this, how wild and how uninhibited she is. I, yeah. you, you really feel the vis, the visceral attack from her, and Kate really got that. And she's actually, you know, she was very capable of doing it. So. Yeah, she, she, yeah, she's, <laughs> I think I unleashed it. Yeah, she's you know. very powerful, very sexy, and then I don't right. want to give away any of the scenes, right. but you shoot a thing with her underwater that is, again, one of the more beautiful scenes that I've ever seen on film. And shocking, 
you know, where it comes in, at what point of the film you right. are not uh, not ready for it. Well, you know, I think people like surprises. If yeah. you can if you can follow something emotionally, you can say, yeah. I, I understand what these people are going through. Yeah. Then you know, the, why does it have to always be told the same way? Oh, and good. I think, you know, people want that. And when mm -hmm. I put people in a room with that movie, it really becomes like a communal uh, uh, yeah. relationship between what I'm sharing with them because. You know, that's the world I come from. I come from a very, you know, uh, middle class, lower middle class, working class world. And mm -hmm. that's most of the country. Right. You know, the truth of the matter is that's what keeps the country you know, moving. So that's why I have all these, you know, garbage men and policemen and firemen doing all these crazy things. Kind of li living their own dream life. Well, everybody has, a, you know, everybody yeah. has their own private life. Mm -hmm. And to me, in some ways, that's actually a truer than trying to do something that's just completely naturalistic some, yeah. sometimes. Right. Yeah, in, in certain, and especially when it comes to sex and love and relationships because you're just not in control of that stuff. It's all out of your, your control. you yeah, got to yeah. give it up, right? You, you think you are, but yeah. you just... <laughs> well, I mean, that is, you know... Uh, and again, I don't want to give anywhere. I want everybody to get the same surprises that I had. But I was talking about there are surreal scenes. There's a, a realistic scene from Marilyn... Mary Louise Parker does with the phone that it, we've all been there in our life on either side whether we're answering the phone or looking at that person right. how long it takes that's a heartbreaking scene right. and, and and as real as anything people can get to uh, right right um, such good acting in the film and such uh, interesting stuff and again it, I want to say that it seems to me like it is a film for adults. I have so much time when I uh, problems when I go to movie theaters that I'm like, this film doesn't seem like it's aimed at anybody who's had any life experience right, at all. Right. You know, I mean, it's, I really, you know, I sat on the idea for almost ten years. So there's a lot of things that I drew from real life, and there were things I imagined off of that, but many things I observed and sort of just you know uh, filtered away in, in my brain and just let it ferment, but. I like to see that. I like to see something that say that I could, that I can laugh, but I also can relate to. Right. That I can also recognize occasionally. There's all different kinds of humor, but the things that make me laugh the most is when I, you know, see something that's really recognizable and really funny. Sure. You know, and uh, you know, I, I think there's there's room for that because people are kind of starved, uh, I, not getting that. Right. I know I am. I, you know, I was just, uh, I, I agree with you, because sometimes things will take you out of a movie uh, faster than the stuff that you were doing in the movie. Like, you were doing stuff like, all right, let's follow along in this surrealistic thing. But a lot of times you'll be watching a movie that's supposed to be realistic. Right. And at the, you know, then they'll go, all right, the only way we'll settle this is with a boat race. or You know what I mean? Right. You're like, well, They always give we, you an answer. Yeah, what yeah. is this thing right. about? And that's what yeah. really takes you out of films that people are doing now. Well, you know, it's interesting because I sometimes think you, you, you watch so many movies, you know, growing up and everything, and the more answers you get, the more lost you are in real right. life. Because in real life, you don't get answers. Yeah. You know, you, you get questions, and it's how you deal with the questions and, 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 and what kind of, per and, and how you either grow with that or, you know, or shrink from that. But when you, when you always give a sentimental answer to things, sure. It's really, then when you have these big, problems in life sometimes you think well how come it isn't like that and right it's, and it's not like that well that's it's not that's was great that you're saying that because the family that you have in the film 
are probably more the way families are. Like, why am I still with these people? I wouldn't right. have picked them. Right. You know, it's not that. We're, <laughs> it's not that we're doing all great things, but you cannot find yourself pulling away. Even when you go away, you're still pulled back to them. Well, you, you know, know what? I I feel like there's uh, in, in not a sentimental way. Mm -hmm. uh, but you know when people use the word love it's a really it's an unambiguous ill-defined word i mean it's an ambiguous uh, ill-defined word and I, I like to see movies where people are attempting to to love people right. but that's a that's that's a messy proposition sure it's not a smooth proposition and it's not about you know, movies so many times are just about people falling in love. Right. Okay. Well, that's like the easiest thing in the world. Sure. Like, you know, what happens in the second step, the third step, the fourth step? Yeah. And so I have young love, you know, middle-aged love, and then kind of illicit love, you know. Sure. That film. So, you know, and, and uh, you know, that stuff really interests me because it kind of defines yeah. who you are emotionally, you know, through the day. Mm -hmm. you know? Uh, and whether you can accept other people in your life, he may, maybe needs something on the side that keeps him going. I mean, it's those compromises yeah. that make up who we are and who our, our families are. And uh, I read that you wrote some of this while you were doing Barton Fink. That, yeah, yeah. That's amazing to me. Yeah, well, I, it was in my mind. I yeah. have to say, I had this conversation with my dad about some of these things and... So it wasn't in my mind, uh, at least the title was in it, but I decided to be really typing when they were filming me because I thought, you know, then you'll see that I'm really doing something and not posing and make believe I'm smoking or mm -hmm. drinking. So I would work in my trailer and I would work on the set and I had a, a few different things I was working on, but many of the things that I actually... Uh, the themes are there, the common all, man and all, all the, that. Yeah, all the, and all the... I like a lot of the ideas that the opening scene of the movie I wrote, you know, mm -hmm. on that typewriter, the uh, the scene with the, the fight with the neighbors, you know, I wrote mm -hmm. some ideas, you know, for that, you know, uh, so yeah, I was I was I was yeah. writing away there. I kind of I knew I was onto something. I said, wow, this sounds this is a good title here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Romance and cigarettes, which by the way is a uh, a really great title. Uh, why did you come up with that? Is that from from the movies themselves or from well my father grew up that way he yeah. was he was suffering from lung cancer he was talking to me one day he was telling me about all the things that he regretted in his life and things he should have done and could have done and then in the middle of this conversation i don't know if it was to justify himself or mm -hmm. whatever in a very irreverent tone he just threw out he said you know you know, man should be able to smoke you know be romantic you know smoke his brains out and he said you know that's that's what it's about you know and uh and he kind of laughed when he said it. And somehow it just lodged in my brain. Right. And I knew he grew up with that because everyone smoked, you know. Doctors sure. used to right. recommend Chesterfields, you mm -hmm. know, uh, or camels. Right. Uh, and lots of people died from it. So, and he did. So, it was just stuck in my brain. And then after he died, I had it there and I was, it just was too soon to, you know, to write something like about that. But... Then as I thought about it later on, I said, well, it doesn't have to necessarily be about that. That can just be, you know, a theme. Right. I mean, my idea for the movie is, you know, life starts out, there's this big band. You know, some people have an orchestra, some people have a little band, and there's all this music and noise and craziness and sex and passion in life. And then usually, as life goes on, it becomes more austere, mm -hmm. and it becomes more a cappella, you know? And that was just an idea I had, you know, musically. That, you know, when you hear just a voice, uh, even from the past or whatever, 
it's so powerful because your brain fills everything in versus when you see, say, a home movie without sound. It's not as powerful mm. as listening. It's so much more alive because you are filling everything in and it's much more interactive. And I just thought that could be a powerful uh, 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 juxtaposition from the beginning to the end. Now, when you uh, brought the people in to do the film, it's not a big Hollywood film, so right. that you can't pay them the same way. Right? Uh, is it based on the script? Is it based on you directing? Is it? Is this what actors are looking for to do something a little different? Well, the Coen brothers read it. They really liked it. They said, yeah. "John, you got something here. We're gonna, you know, we'd like to try to help you." And I said, "Hey, that's that's really encouraging." So we did a reading, and I asked different actors if they wanted to read. They recommended Gandolfini. I thought he was a little young or originally, but mm -hmm. once he read it. I said, wow, he really understands the world of it. Right. And he has this great... And he looks like just a regular person. Right. You know? And that's what kind of his appeal in some ways. And there were a lot of the, the same people did the reading for me, and everyone just liked the material. And mm -hmm. they liked me, but they also liked the material. They were a little afraid of it, some of the people. James was a little sure. bit. Uh, but uh, that's but how it you know that's how it kind of worked. They know? get a little afraid of looking silly. Like this has really got to work. John. Yeah, this has. Yeah. So what we did was we rehearsed. We did yeah. like stupid, rudimentary acting exercises, which people haven't done in years, and they were terrified to do. I made them go to singing coaches, the people who wanted to to sing along. I said, you don't have to sing. You know, great. Take dance classes. You know, I mean, some of the the, the most fun was we got all these firemen together and we put them in a room with all these you know, chicks and leotards, mm -hmm. and they were like, they were going out of their minds, these guys. They, were like, <laughs> they never wanted to leave. So, uh, and, and I could see, well, that's the dynamic I want in the film. But I, I, I tried to get everyone to be as relaxed, and I, I would make a fool of myself sometimes to show them, you know, you have to go to a certain uh, height with this. You have to take it to a certain extreme for it to, to work, because it has to be real, mm -hmm. and then you can go all the way with it, you know, from there. And uh, you can't hold on to certain things. And I have to say, most people, you know, there was only moments where people retreated. Right. You know, only moments. But people really, they, they attacked it with, uh, you know, with relish. And that had to be the most important thing for you as a director, that they really had to go on that journey oh, yeah, with you. Yeah. yeah, because, I mean, that's that's got to work, you know. And so the acting is... Very, very subtle, yeah, and really, really wild. You and, know? and again, doing this uh, on a Coen Brothers movie where you first came up with the idea and doing it with, and they make the kind of films where you know uh, it's a challenge for the audience members to show up. And I'm a gigantic film, uh, fan of theirs, but almost every single time I'm like, "What is this? This doesn't even feel like a Coen Brothers." You know, right. whatever the movie is, I got a little right. problem. You know, the first five minutes I got to hold right. on, and then I I just finally uh, give in. And so many people that, well, uh, to me, I think if you only knew John Goodman from Coen Brothers movies, you would put him next to Brando. He's that good with them. <laughs> what is it about those films? That well, those guys are, once again, they're really smart, they're really prepared, and they're really, they're really human beings. Uh -huh. they're, they're, they, you feel relaxed with them. I mean, with Joel and Ethan, I'm willing to try things that I wouldn't do for other people. Right. And, you know... I mean, on this film, for example, you know, they, they not only helped me get the money and, you know, recommended people casting-wise, they helped me get the music guy, and they helped me really edit the film. They came in after I had, a you know, an assembly, and they they said, that, you know, there's sections that have to go and this and that, and they, were all, they always did it with, in a very gentle, delicate, intelligent way, and they, they made the movie better and better and better, and right. it really helped me, and that's when you know you have real friends, 
and th these guys have, as their their mom when she was alive said to me, you know, I don't know where the boys get these ideas, <laughs> <laughs> and that's how you know I feel like I'm, I'm you know I'm like their cousin or something sure. like that. So, uh, but they're, and, and it's a fun environment to work in. You don't feel that you're going to be. Uh, uh, fired or mm. taken to task for, or say you know, you know that didn't work. There but, are there are directors that seem very nice, and you get in there with them, and they start yelling at you, and they start telling you that, that that's no good, and you know so what? It's you take a swing, you miss, right? You know you get another swing, right? You know? Stop freaking out. Yeah, and and that does not help, right? At all. And Joel and Ethan just don't do that. And so when people are like that, you know people go to work for them and you don't have to get paid you know top dollar you know and and not only that when you do stuff for them it usually makes it into the film you know mm -hmm. and i've learned that and you know uh they're really good friends and they're i think they're to me they're they're fantastic filmmakers but they're better people right uh, and uh and on this this is like you know they they love this film you know and that's I, that, fantastic and that, that means so much to me and uh you know i just and their support and help just you know well, stuff that you've done with them, of course, the uh, Jesus character yeah. in Big Lebowski, which doesn't go away. You had a small role, there, no. and that uh, comes up all the time. Oh, yeah. And for me, Bernie Birnbaum is the scene in the woods is maybe one of the best scenes that's ever been shot in an American film. Well, uh, one of the few deaths of scenes, even though it doesn't turn out to be that, it's absolutely as frightening as you can get watching an American film. Well, you know, uh, I felt like I, I did a really, you know, I was... Like I said, I like I felt like I was making contact with the ball right. in that scene, uh, and they put it together in a beautiful way. And I also I had something underneath that I was thinking about a lot because I thought, you know, you rarely see movies where people, you know, where you understand what it is to plead for somebody's life, right? You know, to to when your life is on a line. Yeah. And uh, I had had a little incident, not like that, but just a little brush with something by accident when I was younger that I never forgot. And I tried to uh, sort of incorporate that, you know, in that. And, uh, you know, life is precious. And people will do anything. Anything to They stay will do down. anything right. to survive. And, you know, when you see that in a movie, it makes you think differently about all this, you know, blood and gut stuff. Right. I, I, I like action, too, and things. But yeah. Sometimes it just gets to the point where I just, it's just like a big cartoon. Yeah. And it doesn't really, I, I go, you know, enough of that, you know. Well, here's, what's, here's yeah. what's funny, too. If you've just recently been through a traumatic experience of something violent has happened in your life, right. you will look at our movies and our TV shows and go, is this constant? You know, because right. you don't want other people to see it. But... Right. You don't even realize this on a normal day. How many times that we're stabbing or shooting each other? In I films? know it's just it's, it's just, and that's why, you know, like in this film, like right. they have one fight and a thing, and everyone is like laughing, and then it turns really violent. You yeah, know? and you know, yeah, there's ramifications. You know, people, right. you know, you can you can kill someone if you have a fight with someone. You Absolutely, know? and uh, it's so. You know, it's it's so glorified, and it's not only that; it's not even humanized, right? And that, and that kind of bothers me. You know, I've had some incidents in my own life, and I go, you know, that's not what it's what, that it's what it's like at all, at all, Ever. at all. So, if I'm gonna, you know, see something like that, I want it to be. Well, well, how many times in American films have we seen a guy knock out his friend so he doesn't have to go do something? I'll just punch my friend. My friend will be knocked out. Then right. he won't go. Yeah. In real life, when someone gets knocked out, it takes you weeks to get over it. Sure, there's a concussion right. that never happens. To, right. I mean, but 
in right. reality, we think more like what the movies is a real thing because no one ever knocks out their friend. I know it's, it's insane. Just, it's you know sometimes you know you could civilize people by also in not in a lecturing way, right? By 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 doing things that are full of uh, you know life and diversity, like I try to do in this film. Yeah, you know, just just basically about human beings. Mm -hmm. you know, and I'm just using my imagination to help tell the story and a certain amount of humor. But uh, you know, I'd rather see stuff that's really, you know, racy and mm -hmm. human than just this violence, violence, violence. Because eventually, what you're doing is you are really desensitizing people right. on a constant, you know, barrage. And you know, it's like I was watching a football game yesterday, and then they they they, they carted some guy out. You know, my my son yeah. wanted to watch it, and they only spend like. 20 seconds, the guy's sure. like maybe paralyzed, taking him out. And now you're reading about all these football players. They all have concussions. Jim Otto, uh, when yeah. you look at yeah. what a great player he was when we were a kid, and right. now he can barely walk. Right. And so there's this, you know, there's a big price to pay for that. Yeah. You know, and so it's not bad to also to be honest about that. Right. You know? uh, that we do like some amount of uh, yeah. thing, but th now look at Muhammad Ali now. He gave us what he gave us, but right. this is the pay uh, payment. Well, I'm a. I mean, I have to admit, I'm a boxing right? fan. You know, I really grew up. My father was an amateur boxer. I boxed, and I I, I like boxing. But, you know, it's it's. You got to look at it. It's, at the end. it's, it's a brutal, a yeah. brutal sport. Very few people get get away with their faculties intact. Yeah. Very very few people, but you know, these are sporting events which symbolize our appetite for that. But, I do think movies have just. You know, they, they've taken it to a point where you just go, you know, guys are shot out of here. They're shot out of here. <laughs> yeah, right. And they say, eventually you go like, you know, if you trip and fall, you hurt yourself, you know. so he, it's, Here's another thing I liked uh, in, in Romance and Cigarettes that you did there, too, is to show that at some point the father always is on the outside of the family in real life. You know what I mean? Right. I remember it when my father, like, who is this guy? And then when I have kids, there's times I'm like... All right, I'm here, but I noticed that everybody else is a little more tighter because whether they spend time together. Right. And I really love that part of, of your film. Right. Well, you he's, he's the, yeah, and I, I try to even make more of that because it's all girls right. know, against him. But yeah, the dad is, I mean, even if there's boys, you know, the dad yeah. is the visitor. You know, sometimes <laughs> everyone grew up saying, who's that man right. in my mother's bed? Yeah. You know, somewhere, even if you couldn't actually articulate that thought, you were like, this man has taken away my woman. You know, yeah, when you're a little, when you're a little <laughs> right. five everything old. would change when he came home from work. That's you right. were there was a life that went on, and then the big man came oh. home, and everything. Okay, yeah. now he's getting his dinner. <laughs> he's got a drink. <laughs> we're all something. oh, oh yeah. Here's the paper. Yeah. Everything changes. That's right. So that's why I had that you know one scene where he comes home, and obviously it's like a big rebellion in a yeah. house like that where the wife doesn't cook for him. Right. And he like you know he freaks out. He's like you know I got nothing. I got yeah. nothing to eat. You know what I mean? And, <laughs> Uh, they rebel against him that way, you know. Uh, so yeah, I think that's uh, th that is a thing that people don't realize. And also, being a father, you learn how to be a father. You right. Know, some people, are, you know, are I think maybe moms because they carry the child, right, and they're with the child more. They have a different kind of. It's an instinctual almost. Yeah. Like I mean, obviously, women can't beat us in sports or racing or whatever. But have a toddler fall over. And you will get there after four women every time. It'll, the mother will get there, the sister, the aunts. Yeah. Every woman is quicker to get to a kid right. who fell down than any man. It's the strangest thing. Well, it's 
that was another thing that kind of interested me in the movie. Uh, you know, to put as many women as I could possibly yeah. put in the in the in the film because I see these movies. There's like twenty guys, uh -huh. and one young girl, and that's like that's it. Or maybe there's a girl's friend or something. Yeah. So I didn't really want to make like a chick flick. Right. I wanted to make a movie about you know men and women. Right. But I wanted to you know to show the power of that right. femininity. And that's right, and how strong they are. And that's yeah. why I had Elaine Stritch be the mother. Right. You know when she says you know you got you, you know you got dinosaur balls. You know and I should have I should have clapped them off when you were a kid. <laughs> you know, it's like James and Steve Buscemi in that scene as yeah. actors. They were intimidated by him. Trying to figure it out. Yeah, yeah they were. They were afraid because Elaine is a she's a force of nature. And <laughs> what, what I do like is it's real feminine power. Like a lot of times they go, yeah. all right, we'll put the woman in the man's role where right. she'll have the gun yeah. or whatever. Yeah. But there is a whole different thing where women can shut the men down oh, just by I, using their own stuff. I mean, I think in domestic life yeah. you know the woman is the more the, the more powerful person and it's always been that way you know and I think men have to do all these other things right to try to even the, the, the breadwinner yeah, or whatever the, 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 the I go out and, fix you know, things and then I can make war and stuff yeah. like that and, but uh, yeah and I don't think that's kind of explored enough because it's something kind of liberating about that and it's interesting that all the actors that I chose that were men I actually think all of them have a strong kind of like uh you know, feminine side to that uh -huh. too, masculine, feminine. I mean, I think James is a fascinating actor that way. He's guy. He's he's fantastic acting opposite of women. Right. I, I know he has sisters. I know he grew up with sisters, but not a lot of guys are that good opposite of women. And James is he's he's good with every woman in the film. And and Steve has that. You know, Steve. Everyone thinks Steve is like this little skinny guy. Steve was a fireman. Steve Buscemi. Right. You know, and he's a, he's a strong little guy, and he's a really solid man and but he has this gentleness to him and bo both those women uh, 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 uh women about those men even though they're non-traditionally uh, good-looking guy women are attracted to both those yeah guys that's right and you know that that's something that's so interesting to me because you know movies have always sold if you you have a certain kind of bone structure certain certain face you say well that guy is you know beautiful or really handsome right. and the woman's really beautiful but sometimes there's 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 all different versions of that, mm -hmm. and there are some people who are just really sexy, and they're not necessary. They don't necessarily look like a leading man, you know. But they're the leading man or lady of their life, right? You know, everyone is the lead in their life, yeah. And I think that's kind of great to see, you know. Yeah. And some people can't handle that, but I think most people can, you know. I think most people can, uh, and I I like to see that too. Yeah. I mean. Uh, when you see something unusual, you say, wow, I didn't think that I would think that. You know, yeah. That's kind of cool. Uh, I'll tell you what I like, John. I like the fact that you, you made a film uh, that you're thinking about things that should be thought about, about American by American filmmakers, and you've you put this together on your own. You've done it with your acting career. I can't thank you enough for all the different movie roles that you've oh. got that you've kept this entertained but this film for you to bring it all together with different actors and the fact that uh, it it is thought out and it's different and it needs to be seen Romance and Cigarettes uh, John Tatora thank you so much thanks for having me Mr. Oakman shows you this long 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 time ago in this humor it was written by Solomon Burke who you saw earlier it's called Everybody Needs Somebody to Love <laughs>
to me was like his big opening, his big mouth and his great voice in the background. Yeah, I'm just watching and laughing. <laughs> I mean, first of all, I could feel the stage starting to sag. I mean, Solomon's about 500 pounds. <laughs> 600 pounds of joy. I tried to shake his hand on the stage, but the, the stage was going up and down so much I couldn't even get near him. <laughs> it was so funny. And when he starts to move, you can feel the planks going like this. You know? I was in this, just seeing him play in the chair. And he was sitting in the chair. And it's fantastic. Stones and Salman Burke, which will uh, set up our other favorite all-time uh, Ron Bennington interviews, which was when the great Salman Burke came in. I talked to him uh, a couple times in my life, but the last time that I saw him was, to me, just the best. And, uh, you know, losing him is one of those things that, you know, for health issues, he could have been gone many, many years ago. Uh, by the way, if you're a fan of the Rolling Stones or Salmon Burke, you need to see uh, this on YouTube. We'll try to put it up on 202 Friends, but you can always go to YouTube and just put in Rolling Stones and Salmon Burke. It's Salmon Burke out of the chair, dancing. Massive, massive guys next to those skinny junkies called the Rolling Stones. <laughs> and it's hilarious pictures. It's awesome. You can actually see... Ronnie Wood backing up as Salman Burke's coming out. He's backing up playing the guitar and looks scared shitless. Um, but uh, Salman Burke, one of my all-time favorite uh, singers, writers, and came in and hung out with us. So that'll be uh, the final, fan, last RBI that we do on this. Hicks, you were a fan of his before or after meeting him? 
I was a fan of his beforehand, yeah. but I, I I didn't I didn't know he was in a wheelchair. I remember that I think I I had booked this myself. I think Mooch had um, reached out to someone to get him in, and I didn't know he was in a wheelchair. Yeah. So I was calling up the booking department, like, "Can we get a guy in a wheelchair up here? Um, I'm not sure if we could able to do this." And everything was fine. It was just amazing to see him and everyone with him come in. It was just amazing. Well, they to, you know they move him out on stage, and he would do that from a throne on stage. Awesome. A throne is how you re- record, and you know if you have to sit down and sing, it's it's a completely different way to work. You know the way you use your lungs, Breathing, yeah. where everything o- opens up. So there's very few guys that would be comfortable sitting an entire concert and singing. But uh, Salman Burke had to pull it off. By the way, Hicks, uh, we're talking about rockumentaries. I saw a preview of one last night on the Kings of Leon. And those kids are fucked up from a fucked up crazy fucking family. Like fucked up in the head or fucked up drinking or all Both. the above. All. And then the religion is tied in. Oh, yeah, they're from the South. Yeah. They fucking get strange with it. Uh, and I saw that they just walked off stage. Yeah, they caught so- some shit for that. Somewhere in Canada. And it led to the... Uh, a whole tour being canceled, uh, which is, oh, was in Texas that they did the walk-off? Because um, I thought it was in Canada. But anyway, the point was um, that these guys have set up the documentary perfectly. <laughs> Ruining <laughs> their own tour. And I, I'm telling you right now, the preview of this thing, and I don't know a, a huge bit about the band. I don't want to find out shit until I watch this. But it looks like some crazy, crazy stuff going down. But I'm locked in then. Yeah, get me somebody. Yeah, get me a screening. Okay. Uh, by the way, I'm seeing a screening um, next week that I'm more excited about than any screening I've seen yet. Hopefully. And Chris Stanley well. hooked me up with that. I was just talking to the girl about it today. Hope all goes well. You're a lot, You're good to go? Yeah. The movie looks fantastic. All right. Here, I want you to see the, the Kings of Leon documentary. Okay. You need to come over here? Can you see, I can see from, from there? here. There's some crazy I never shit. Slept. All night long, I knew uh, I was going to hell. I wasn't going to be a preacher. Lord, thank you for this food. We give you thanks so much, Lord, for another year that we loved you and served you. I didn't put a lot of emphasis in money. So when I preached, it was whatever God provided, that's what we got. Little house here that really wasn't even livable. This is it right here, up there with the bars. It's one of those things where it's like, if we live our whole lives with God, then why are we living here? I always felt like we were the Christians and everybody else were sinners. The only good snake's a dead snake, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> 
like that played Tribeca Film Festival. Just bad shit, though, right? Oh, yeah, I had no clue. They were that fucking weird, deep south, weird sect of Christianity, Christian. That's, that's before. What's the name of this? Tala, what? Talalina? It looks like Talalina Sky. So that must be where they're from. Some bumfuck fucking town somewhere. <laughs> All right, I'm going to definitely watch that. They look like Jackass the Band. Oh, yeah. Fucked up. Like fucked up jackass. Like jackass before rehab jackass. Um That was a good jackass. Alright, so we'll set up this uh last RBI. I, by the way, I want Fez Watley just to say hi. He is my partner. Hello everyone. Uh let you know that he is here. Watching, making sure everything's going perfectly. Uh we set up to Solomon Burke here. Solomon Burke another religious man, another preacher. Also, tons of kids, even more grandchildren, and then he had these girls, his daughters and shit, that were in charge and yeah. <laughs> clocking me and Hicks like crazy people, <laughs> like wanting to know when anything's going to air. They all had little jobs for themselves, but all look great. It was, it was uh, great to see him coming here. But he's got kids all over the place, more grandchildren, great-grandchildren, and... Uh, Solomon Burke, one of the all-time great soul singers, uh, blues man, R&B, right there at the birth of the American music, and rode that wave for a long, long time. Um, I think we got to give out one more T-shirt, so we'll give this one out to uh, Dan Jacoby. Dan Jacoby will pick it up. Uh, but this is uh, John Turturro was the first. Of the all-time faves, here's another one that you guys picked. Stay tuned, Ron Bennington interviews the great, legendary, Philadelphia Zone, Salman Burke. Gotta see how strong 
find a solution Working with all my mind Gotta make restitution From the dark into the light You lose a lot Black as night of the midnight moon. You gotta hold on tight, though you may not be in tune. Gotta find a solution. Taking that voice, the the great Salmon Burke, 
uh, in the uh, studio with us. How are you, sir? It's good to see you. I am wonderful, yeah. and I'm just, you know, as I said, I'm just wiping my mouth from this cheesesteak in Philly. <laughs> yeah, you came and punished me with that. We love you, man. We love you. We miss you, and uh, so happy to be here with you. Well, it's great to uh, have the opportunity to, to sit down and talk with you. Uh, you know, I brought up the voice, but it's also the style. You can sit in here on a throne. Everybody knows who the king is. It's uh, When it comes to soul music, it's Solomon Burke. And the interesting thing I think about you is you're doing as good as work now as you've been doing your entire career. Well, thank you. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. I'm, I'm blessed. When was the first? When did the first record come out? 1954. Before 1954. Everybody in this building was born. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> At, at that time, uh, they weren't calling it soul. It wasn't no, it was rock and just, roll. It was just a rhythm and blues. Rhythm and blues at that time. Rhythm and blues. So everything was gospel or rhythm and blues or jazz. Mm -hmm. You know, a country and music. It was. What was the tour like when you would go out in those days? You would. Uh, were you playing the Chitlin circuit and all that? Or I played the uh, the hot sausage circuit, the chicken <laughs> circuit. The Chitlin Circuit was big time. Yeah, that was as big as it got, huh? <laughs> yeah, that was yeah. that was moving up. Yeah. So, at, at, was there a certain point that you even said to yourself, "I can make a living from this," or was it, in those times, just uh, doing what you could do? Well, it was a very it was a very wonderful experience for me. You remember, I came rolling right from the church, mm -hmm. and uh, for me, it was just part of a new ministry mm -hmm. and the beginning of a new journey. And we're still on that journey. So it's like, still uh, the same journey. St still the same journey, just moving a little higher, step by step, one step at a time. Well, there's always such a, a positive nature connected with you that uh, that people leave uh, your concerts feeling a little bit of church. Thank I you. Think. Thank you. They have to. Yeah. Because it is the message. The message yeah. is love, hope, togetherness, mm -hmm. happiness, and somehow, some way, we're going to make it. Now, was there ever a, a, a problem with the church saying you're going secular, stay with the church, oh, stay with gospel? Absolutely. In yeah. the early, in the early fifties, of course, you know the church was very uh, upset about it. We, uh, they didn't like the idea of me being a rhythm and blues artist. And mm -hmm. at that time, you know, from Philadelphia, sure. my manager was Kay Williams on WDAS oh, yeah. Radio, yeah. Loudmouth Kay Williams, uh, who was the hot blues man in town. So here's this little preacher boy from Philadelphia who wants to sing now. And luckily enough, I was singing songs like This Is It and To yeah. Thee and When I'm All Alone, Christmas Presents from Heaven. I hadn't really got into the good, you know, uh, hot numbers. Right. You know, which I did later on with uh, Walking in a Dream and Why Do Me This Way. But that was like mile compared to... Uh, you know, Jimmy Reed and, yeah. you know, John Lee Hooker and all those guys. And you would be, you would also be doing shows with those guys as well. I, right? My first show was with uh, uh, Wine Only Blues Harris and Lottie the Body. Wow. And a snake. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, tipping in New Jersey. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, in uh, in Jersey, would would it be the, the case that a lot of the artists would be on a bus together, or we traveling separately, or that happened for me later? We yeah. originally started out in you know, in the, of course, in the station wagon as mm -hmm. we all did, and then later on, uh, I met a gentleman in the sixties, uh, Henry Wynn out of Atlanta, Georgia, who mm -hmm. who had supersonic attractions, who brought us together with Jackie Wilson, Sam Cooke, Miles wow. Mabley, uh, Pigmeat Markham. You know, Gladys Knight and the Pips, the Temptations, the Four Tops, so great the Supremes, yeah. 
Great you know, music. On one bus. Yeah, great music, great comedy, <laughs> just a giant variety great of show. show. Yeah. Great show, great show, $2.50. $2.50. Yeah. come. None of those uh, <laughs> uh, None of those shows were filmed, were any of them uh, is it, the, you know, filmed? Isn't that terrible? I yeah. mean, when we think about it today, high tech as we are, how digital we are. Right. And everybody has a camera now. Yeah. If you saw one person with a camera, you had to arrest it. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Nobody was allowed to have a camera. Right, it was either the days. news or your mother. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what was the first big hit that for you that charted chart and it felt like it started to really be worth it for you? A song called Christmas Presents from Heaven, yeah. my first record. Christmas uh, Presents from Heaven. And then after that, it was uh, No Man Walks Alone, which... Mm -hmm. We were running neck to neck with a young man by the name of Roy Hamilton. Right. With You Never Walk Alone. Yeah. And then You Can Run But You Can't Hide, written by Joe Lewis. Mm. Wonderful years of the 50s. Yeah, really great stuff. Uh, and like I said, it never has stopped for you. Uh, even though you would be back working with the church and you've had other businesses, singing just has always been there for you. Yes, I've been blessed. Uh, you know, I have 21, father of 21 children, mm. 90 grandchildren. And 20 great-grandchildren. I'm celebrating the life of life. Yeah. So, uh, if everyone gets together, it's quite a task. We're coming to your house. Yeah, right. Everyone gets together. We go to your house and we eat. Yeah. I can't. I don't. We're just going to have to start killing cattle if you, no, if you no. bring the whole family we, together. We, we, we stop at, uh, at McDonald's and close the door. <laughs> this belongs to us now. Uh, Salman Burke in studio. You've got uh, a new uh, project uh, that you're doing with uh, Willie Mitchell. Willie Mitchell, the man in Memphis, Tennessee, the master. Mm -hmm. 82 years old. 82 years Looked old. Looked like he's 19. Yeah. Moves, <laughs> moves like a football player. Right. Um, ingenious. So total positive. I went in to see him. I had known him for like 30 years mm -hmm. talking on the phone. We never met. We always talked about we were going to do this and do that and very close friends with his son and my kids, very close with his kids. And uh, so I decided after playing Mississippi uh, last year that we were going to go in. My daughter says, go see your friend Willie Mitchell. You haven't seen him. So we walk in very quickly and tell you this real quickly. Yeah. We go into the studio to surprise him and for me to meet this great guy, Willie Mitchell, which I thought was being a little old guy, you know, you know, walking on the stick. He walks up <laughs> you know, 40 other words that I can't see on the radio. Yeah. Solomon, Jesus Christ, now and brother, get your buddy there. And I said, wait, wait, we're going to, you're going to sing something. <laughs> you know, and we laughed and kicked it around and we went in the studio and he says, I got a song. So then his daughter over to his house to get a song out of a briefcase from under his bed. He mm -hmm. just, let me call the musicians. I never in my life seen a man could call the whole group of musicians within an hour and they all show up and within 45 minutes all these guys were there they were ready and we recorded a song for fun which turned into a great project mm. and um, I happen to have that song with you I brought it for you because I wanted you to share with the world I, I would for love the first time I would love to play it uh, uh, what was the what was the song you needed me. You needed me. Uh, we'll play this uh, right now. And this is the first time that this, this is going out. never been on the air anywhere. It's not even finished in the mastering form yet. And you, at, at the point of doing this song... Willie, what? you're going to kill me, but <laughs> this is my friend. It's a homeboy. i got to give it to him, baby. 
Now you 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 got you had no idea that within forty five minutes the song would be no, done. The no. musicians didn't the song no, just came I together. No, I said this is a joke. Sure, I'd be. Lo I'd love to do it. I'd love to sit there where Al Green sit and yeah. Otis Redding. Yeah, let's sit there. Let's have fun. Let's just just play games. Yeah. Cut the mic on. Yeah, let me hear it. Uh, Solomon Burke, you needed me. I cried a tear.
Salman Burke, the one of the only Salman Burke uh, singing uh, You Needed Me, only had that song for 45 minutes. You had never yeah. heard it before, and then to be able to connect never heard it before and, with uh, that, like that. learned that it was an Anne Murray song. Yeah. And we listened to the Anne Murray song uh, for about 10 minutes, and and um, just incredible. Yeah, I, to me, uh, the thing about you... Um, and, and I think it's missing in some of the younger singers is that connection that that real soul thing that you're you're telling us you're telling a story not just hitting notes but uh, but you're communicating with the audience well you know we come from an era mm -hmm. uh, where the message is important right where to express ourselves spiritually physically and mentally if it's in a song or if it's in a writing or DJing, or mm -hmm. however that you may do it, it comes from the heart. There's no other place for it to come. Yeah. And when it comes from the heart, then it comes from the soul. And that's what makes it different. That's why it's hard to repeat. Mm. You can't repeat it the same feeling. You just don't repeat it over and over and over again unless you capture it right. on tape or on disc. On film, so uh, for you, every concert is different. Every Everyone, concert, every, every song is different. Every time you sing, every it. absolutely one. If if you're if you're bootlegging my records, man, you better come <laughs> to all the shows. <laughs> you're not, you're not going to get the you're same song. You're not going to get the same song. <laughs> Something's going to change. Uh, when people come out to their shows, are there songs that you feel like you have to do the fans? Absolutely. Uh, what, absolutely. What's the song that you feel like you, you got to do for them? Well, you have to do just out of reach. You have to do when I lost my baby, almost lost my mind. You have to do if you need me. You have to do got to get you off my mind. You got to do cry to me. When your baby leaves you all alone and nobody calls you on the phone. Don't you feel like I'm crying? Don't you feel like crying? For here I am, a honey. I come on, you cry to me.
goes on and you, once you start one song, somebody in the audience is going to say something else. Yeah. And my shows turn into special request shows. You, you'll you'll just re react Absolutely. to the audience. Absolutely. I have my guitar player, Sam Mayfield, has been with me now for 35 years. Yeah. And his job, and he's proud of it, he brags about it, that he has to wait there for the requests. Mm. You know, just sit there and not bandstand and wait till somebody says a request, and he has to know it. Now, when he doesn't know it, <laughs> I get happy. I find him $250. <laughs> so you believe in, in uh, throwing a stick around a Absolutely. Yeah. You know, that's, you, you know, we have, thank God, to my daughter, Candy, mm -hmm. who directs the band. It's not my band anymore. It's her band. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I walk, all I have to do is just walk on stage. Yeah. And when she says, Dad, you're on. They rehearsed 40 numbers. It's done. Let's do it. Yeah, and uh, that's it's God in us. But you know, it's kind of interesting because you like you brought up "Don't Give Up on Me." That's almost like a standard for you now. now. It is, yes, and it came so late in your career. Yes, it was, it's a, a miracle song for us mm -hmm. and a miracle song for me. Um, I was signed to a label called Fat Possum. Yeah. Uh, another incredible story. It'd take at least a week for me to stay here and tell these stories. <laughs> this is you know an amazing moment in time. Uh, but the Don't Give Up On Me has become such a great... It was my first Grammy. Yeah, your first my Grammy My first award. Grammy. Uh, first million-selling record for us. Wow. Um, completely around the world and still selling to this day. And the most requested song, along with the, the standards. If I fall short If I don't make the grade If your expectations aren't met in me Today, there's always tomorrow or tomorrow night hanging there, baby. Sooner or later, I know I'll get it right. Please don't give up on me. Don't give up on me I know it's late Late in the game But my feelings, my true feelings Haven't changed Here in my heart Make a 
I'm going to hold on, hold on with me. And don't give up on me. to see that. I mean, some people, I guess, would view it as a comeback, or some, like you said, some of it even peak. But I, I remember seeing you do that song on Letterman, and just oh, seeing you. him get blown away by it. Thank you. Seeing Paul Schaefer in the band. And that's oh, what I, I, great. I, I think is interesting about you saying, you know, uh, that uh, Mr. Mitchell can put the the song the, the band together so quick because I'm telling you I can't imagine anyone playing an instrument in this country and hearing you've got the choice chance to record with Salmon Burke and not hopping in the car and driving there you know just as quickly as they could. It was incredible. I mean, we wound up then staying for three. How much candy was it? Three extra days. Three extra days. And we're we're writing songs, uh, Candy and Sophia and I, were writing songs in the car <laughs> to go back to the studio to have some more fun with these musicians. Yeah. That are just so excited. They're buying pizza and everything else. I never had anybody buy me pizza. You know, I always paid for the pizza myself. You know, but uh, what a, what a fun time. All right, we got another uh, song. And this is Love Sessions. And by the way, that's uh, it. You can check out uh, any of this stuff too on the King. Uh, Solomon Burke uh, a website, thekingsolomonburke.com. But this one uh, is called Everything About You. And, that, and believe this is dedicated to my grandchildren. Yeah. <laughs> Especially one little granddaughter whose name is Kylene. Mm -hmm. And um, she's got some new shoes, mm -hmm. uh, you know, for a seven year old girl with the, with the new little high heel shoes for a special event, you know. Yeah. So I, I, I like your shoes, you know. So this is to my kids and to all the kids out there and to all those who need somebody to love. Everything about you Everything about you 
Everything about you. That's off of uh, Love Sessions that you did with uh, Willie Mitchell. Mitchell. It's a world premiere right here. Unbelievable. Five well, decades serious in. Serious radio. Yeah. Five decades in, and it sounds as good, if not better, than it's ever sounded Thank before. You. Thank you. Uh, and there's a reason they call you the king, because well, uh, you still reign. It's still well, happening. God bless you. Thank you. You know, uh, uh, from what I understand, you're in town right now to meet with the Harlem Boys and Girls uh, choir. Alumni Choir. Yes, yes. We're getting ready to do a great CD and video with them and a world tour. Mm -hmm. Starting next year, we're planning next year, so we're getting ready. My daughter's the president of the record company, uh, mm -hmm. Candy, and uh, we're here with uh, Candy and my daughter Victoria. So to, this uh, one will be back in the gospel. You this is going to be a big gospel, yeah, gospel uh, commercial album, Christian it, gospel album. Is yes. it easy for you to slide back and forth? I don't slide. I stay. <laughs> you stay. Yeah, I stay steady. Yeah, and and uh, bring the message forth. So no matter what, where you're working from, no matter what genre you're working from, it doesn't make any difference. I'm yeah. going to keep God in it because that's the only way I survive. Without God, I'm nothing. You know, yeah. without the God and the people, there's no me. This came to you uh, as a young man too. Your faith came to you as a young person. Well, I was born in the church. Uh -huh. My grandmother was my mentor and still is, and uh, she's been deceased since 1954. Mm -hmm. But spiritually, that's my uh, that's my backbone. And no, no time have you ever had any doubts. I mean, you must see it around. Oh, you. you have doubts when you go yeah. to the bank and there's no money. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but you have the faith to yeah. hold on and say, "This too shall change." This, and you yeah. and you always feel that. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I want to play another track here too that you did with Thank the, you. the Blind Boys of Alabama. Yes, yes, yes. Um, how did that all come together? That you were now. Are you talking about Clarence Fountain? Yeah. We stole Clarence Fountain from the five blind boys mm -hmm. and brought him out. He was getting ready to retire, and he wasn't going to sing anymore. And we got Sam Butler, who was originally with him years ago, put him together and changed their whole approach and a whole new sound. And this is what we came up with. It's a hot CD for him now. Yeah. It's just falling on the market. Stepping up and stepping out with uh, Clarence Fountain and Sam Butler and the boys. Yeah, and this one's called "Do What the Lord Say Do." Yeah, do what the Lord say. They were with me with the uh, the big festival in New Orleans. Yeah, uh, two days ago. Yeah, they rocked the house and they, and went over big. Rocked huh? the house. Clarence is a monster. He still got hair, man. <laughs> he still got hair. <laughs> All right, let's take a listen. What the Lord said to you, what the Lord said to you. I tried lying, I tried gambling, I tried everything under the sun. I'm gonna do what the Lord said to you, what the Lord said to you. Lord, I'm gonna do what the Lord said to you, what the Lord said to you. What the Lord said to you. What the Lord said to you. I tried lying. Didn't work. Tried gambling. Didn't work. I tried everything under the sun. I'm gonna do what the Lord said to you. What the Lord said to you. What the Lord said to you. I came to Jesus just as I was. I was worried, I 
From uh, stepping out, stepping, stepping up, up stepping, ste- stepping up, and stepping out. The track is uh, "Do What the Lord Say Do." That's due out in August. You got so many August projects. 25th, yeah, so on, many projects. Try's got the one. Yeah. yeah, and all this stuff you can find out from your uh, website. From too. our website, and also Clarence Fountain's website. Is that right, girls? Yeah, yeah, Clarence. Yeah. Uh, you got the girls keeping you uh, in line too. They are the, the only ones that keep me in line. Yeah. You know, they're my bosses. I mean, I'm, I'm just, I just show up. Yeah. Yeah, uh, you're taking off from here. You're heading up to Harlem. We're on our way now to yeah. uh, to the church and rock it a little bit, and then we're out of here and making two more stops across the country and uh, and back home uh, for a big ninth uh, program for the uh, wounded veterans. Well, I'll tell you something. Anywhere you are is church because you just take hey. it with you. you take amen, with amen, you. amen. Thanks so much. We for love you. Today. Thank you so much. God bless you. God bless you, my friend. All the best. I'm so happy to be here tonight. So glad to be in your wonderful city. And I have a little message for you. And I want to tell every woman and every man tonight. That's ever needed someone to love. That's ever had somebody to love. That's ever had somebody to understand. That's ever had someone that needs your love all the time. Someone is with you when they're up. Somebody's with them when they're down. If you had yourself somebody 
20th anniversary. North America's biggest music festival comes to Sirius XM. It starts with a look back at two decades of the festival with Lollapalooza Week on Sirius XM 34 and